Rivetti, what's up? I'm sorry, sir. It's just a difference of opinion that got out of hand. What about? It's really too silly to talk about, sir. I'd rather just forget about... I don't give a damn about what you'd rather forget about. Why were you two fighting? Well, I said that the Kirby Silver Surfer was the only real Silver Surfer. And that the Mobius Silver Surfer was shit. And Benefield's a big Mobius fan. And things got out of hand. I pushed him, he pushed me. I lost my head, sir. I'm sorry. Rivetti, you're a supervisor. You can get a commission like that. I know it, sir. You're 100% right. It's never happened again, It right? better not happen again. I see this kind of nonsense, I'm gonna write you up. You understand? Do you understand? Yes, sir. You have to set an example, even in the face of stupidity. Now, everybody that reads comic books knows that Kirby Silver Surfer is the only true Silver Surfer. Now, am I right or wrong? <laughs> You're right, sir. All right. Get out of here. Yes, sir. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Christmas 
done got funky. James Jewell's nuclear soul system. I kid you not, folks. We'll be right back. Let's groove. You know, Christmas just don't seem the way it used to be. Yes, it has. I wonder, wonder what's happening, world. Now answer that. <laughs> Funky, funky. Anyway, folks, 
This is the Grindhouse. We're back in full effect. Let's just get to it. Captain, you're needed on Rigel 15.5. Let's get to it. The Grinch, a.k.a. a.k.a. Mr. Bar Humbug, has arrived. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think we're going to start biting what a fan bros thing. Fan bros has that on lock. (laughs) But uh, we might have to, you know, channel some of that. Anyway, folks, this is our our uncanny correspondent. He definitely knows his stuff. He has a Ph.D. in comicology. I have a master's working on a Ph.D., you know who he is by now. We go back and forth by, with giving him an intro, but I'm going to do it, with it, do it for him anyway. He is the uncanny Daryl B. To my brothers and sisters yesterday, great job with your support POC podcast movement on Twitter. That's great. If you got hate today because of it, that means it's working. They can't deny you guys any longer. Keep up the good work. I saw that, Daryl. That I thought it was pretty cool. They, they've got to get that going, continue. That's very important. I was very, uh, very happy to see that. That we all, we're all in it together. We're all working together, and it's all about promoting what we know, what we love, and promoting a different dimension and promoting a different uh, perspective. It's all about representation. So I, I really was, um, I really liked what I saw. So we could just keep on pushing it. Anyway, folks, you know the music. You know who this young lady is. She's our left coast, west coast correspondent. We could not do the show without any kind of efficacy without her helping us. She is Claire Lene. Claire. Here I am. <laughs> How are you, Wonder Woman? I'm doing okay. How are you? Doing very well. Listen, I saw your video footage, so the Wonder Woman title really does fit you. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I we're getting there. Cool. We're getting there. That's, you know. What? So I, I we knew she could kick uh, uh, Hugh Jackman's ass. We knew that already. Oh, oh the other <laughs> video footage. My bad. My bad. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure if she were if she were to get a Hugh Jackman paycheck, we see some we see some stomping. <laughs> we, see, we see that for sure. Um, folks, let's 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 get into it. The gang is all here. This is the Grindhouse. You, it's always welcome to call in with your questions, your queries, your protestations, your disagreements. You can do what you like. We can handle it. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. All right. Listen. Trailers came out. I'm going to go pass the mic around. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, we finally got a, a, a good, clear look, at, at least I'm led to believe, as to where this movie is going. Some of the folks that we heard were involved, we saw them, in, saw them there. The, the, the infamous cameos we saw, a lot going on. So, uh, let's go to the lovely Claire Lene first up. Claire, did you check out the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer? We saw the teaser then a trailer. Uh, 
a lot more involved, I thought. So what, what were your thoughts if you got a chance to check it out? Um, I did. I did. And, of course, you know, this is now this is now how major blockbusters are marketed. You know, just like we were joking about last week with The Mummy. I mean, you got a teaser, you got a teaser of the teaser, a commercial of a commercial. I mean, it's crazy. But, yes, I saw both the U.S. and the international version of the Spider-Man Homecoming trailers. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. In fact, if I'm going to be honest, what I saw made me much more excited, you know, almost giddy, especially, and you know, you know this means something to a lot of folks, but especially that last shot, that last shot with Spidey and Iron Man zooming past the camera together. I mean, I mean that's that's got to bring out that inner, you know, excited kid just dying to see that in live action. I mean, it's it's a thrill. I'm looking forward to it. When I saw this, I was like, I'm down. I'm so I'm so ready for this. And I just I'm loving the whole uh, mentor mentee dynamic. I love it. It's like don't do what I would do and definitely don't do what I wouldn't do. It's a little gray area, and that's where you operate. Oh, that's not a hug. I'm just getting the door for you. You know, that whole dynamic, I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You got the whole John Hughes, you know, high school angst, the vibe, you know, the crush on the first love, all that, all of that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. In fact, I'm looking forward to it more than what I saw of, if I'm going to be honest, of Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, to be fair, Guardians was yet another teaser, not really an official trailer. So obviously that's that's going to come down the pipeline, but but what I saw had me really excited. Much more excited to see this than the last few movies actually. Guardians, Doctor Strange, what have you. I am absolutely thrilled. I think Tom Holland truly is born to play Peter Parker, just as Stan Lee said. I mean, he's just got the vulnerability. He, um, you know, he, I don't know if anyone knows this, but before acting, he was going to be a professional dancer. So he's studied gymnastics. That's why he can do all of his own flips. He can do all of that. He's very physically able. He's He's got the charm. He's got all of it. I'm I'm just thrilled. I'm really thrilled. Can't wait to see what goes on with Michael Keaton. Can't wait to see what goes on with Joaquin Woodbine. Um, I love how they still kind of keep it keep it in the pocket, like what's going on, you know, with the Zendaya character and and uh, and even though I know everyone's, we all knew this was happening though. We all knew when I I I heard about. Um, Forgive me, I've already forgotten the actor's name, but his, his last name is Batalon, and he's in, he's a Hawaiian he's a Hawaiian native actor who's playing Ned Leeds. But let's face it, we all know what this character really is supposed to be. <laughs> but it's okay, it's okay. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. Everything about the casting about of uh, this movie has to be an apology for the five other vanilla white. Spider-Man movies, I mean, it's an apology for that, and it's also a compromise. 
saying, yes, we're going to have a Peter Parker for a third time, not Miles Morales, but we're going to try to throw in as much color and texture in this school as possible and try to make it, you know, look like something that would actually occur in New York. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Both versions are great. Both both versions of the of the trailer are great. Are fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Daryl, chiming in with your doppelganger. What are your thoughts about this latest Spider-Man trailer? Firstly, before I get into it, yes, the streak is dead. Army has finally beaten Navy. Thank God. It's been. 13, 14 straight games. The streak is dead. We finally sent those sailors packing. Now let's focus on the other stuff. Okay. Had to get that out. I'm good. All right. I love the trailer, but not for uh, a few people, a few buds of mine on Twitter highlighted it. I love the scenes they co-opted from Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic, to put in to the trailer. Because I'm like, I know that scene. I know that scene. I know that scene. They may have stolen that from Miles Morales, a.k.a. the, the lunchroom scene, but I know that scene. And I, I know they say that, that, that the Asian kid isn't gank, but that, that, that was totally, like, stolen from gank and Miles Morales. But I, I, I'm going to just say the truth straight up. No lie. It felt natural. Didn't feel forced. And Holland might be the first dude that works as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire, he made a great Peter Parker. He was not a good Spider-Man, all right? Uh, Garfield, he made, he made a, a bad Peter Parker, but he was a great Spider-Man. You know, Tom Holland might be the actual package at hell. You know, him and Tony Stark together doing that thing, that's echoes of the first Civil War. That's echoes of their relationship in the Ultimate Universe. So, and, hey, we we all laughed when they said Vulture. Um, give it to Marvel. That Vulture looked dope. <laughs> that, that, that Vulture looked, that looked menacing and dope, and I can't wait to see it on film. I won't go as far as saying it was better than Guardians, you know. But I will say about damn time with the representation and about damn time giving me a New York that's multicultural. And we needed Marvel to get back in the picture to do that. So thank you for that. Back to you, Afrener. Cap, any thoughts regarding this Spider-Man release? Spider-Man Homecoming trailer release, pardon me. Your impressions. Then I'll give you my well, Mike. Well, Michael Keaton is my guy. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. You know, so that's that's my guy. That's one, that's one of my top guys right there from that standpoint. Now, normally, I'm not into the, the extreme kitty or teenage BS. It just turns me off, you know, seeing that a lot of times on the screen with everything. You got to deal with the teenage girl, uh, love interests, and all that, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, hey, well, leave that for somebody else. But here, it seems like it works. doesn't turn me off, didn't bother me. It seems cute to me. It seems real cute. It seems like something, like, hey, I, I could deal with that. And, you know, the way when they showed Spider-Man fighting, you know, the way he ducks his head, the way how he is super powerful, but he controls his strength in situations, all that was appealing to me. I said, it seemed like they got that down, you know, unlike when we did the 
we did the, <laughs> the Civil War situation. He seemed seemingly, uh, obviously depowered. That's a whole other story. But <clears throat> so I think this looks good. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think it's a good look. I think they did a good job at this given point. I don't have any problems. Just as uh, you know, Daryl B said, it doesn't seem like it's forced or anything like that. It seems natural. So I'm in there for this one. Back over to you, Afrolet. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, let me first say um, what Claire spoke about definitely dead on point with the John Hughes connection. Uh, many of us, all of us, I would I would gather um, in on, in this in this uh, space, we were raised on John Hughes films, and uh, they had an indelible um, an indelible impression on me when it came down to even humor. So. That part, even the mute, you know, you notice even the music, like kind of the goofy, lowbrow music playing in the background. When uh, I think is it Gonky or Gank? I think it's Gonky. Well, he's not. He's late leads, but he looks a whole lot like what, I, what I've been seeing for the Ultimate Universe. That's pretty interesting as well. But when he's with with Gonky and he is admiring Liz Allen, and then out of the blue, you see that. Zendaya makes has a kind of a snarky remark. That exchange, the music is so classic John Hughes. So, I, I think the way that this movie is approaching Spider-Man is is where we would want Spider-Man. If we're gonna if we're going to do a young Spider-Man in high school, and these kids look like they belong in high school, they're not like thirty year olds pretending to be fifteen. That that adds another air of a believability. I mean, you, we understand that this is a fantasy, but we also want to kind of believe that this world can exist, and we like to suspend that, that, dis, that, that disbelief. So I, I appreciated what I was looking at. The only thing in, my, in the back of my head was, this, is, this really is an amalgam of the ultimate universe and an amalgam with Miles Morales. This is really Miles Morales' world. The fact that Ned Leeds looks a hell of a lot like Gonky, that could be something about that. And I, when, when I first heard about the deal that went down between Sony and Marvel, I really thought that Marvel would have really re, had, would have gone in the Miles Morales, Miles Morales direction. But I guess the compromise was what uh, Daryl spoke about is, well, we're going to have this littered, littered as minority, minority uh, film. I mean, there's a lot of black, brown, and yellow folk in this film. I mean, it's definitely – listen, it's New York, so this, this can't be a, a Friends NBC fantasy, okay, uh, or even a, uh, a Seinfeld NBC fantasy. So I really did appreciate what I saw. Uh, I, I did see a few – Uber nerds, and I say this respectfully, who were cr- very critical of the Vulture costume. And I'm like, really? I mean, we, you can't have a elderly, bald dude in some weird plunging neckline feather suit flying around. I mean, you know, th- these sometimes, listen, I love, uh, and, and, and we, we've talked about this before. Listen. As a person who grew up on these comic books, you do want faith, a faithful translation. But on, some, but on some levels, you can't have everything. 
everything cannot be that closely translated because it had come up come off goofy. This vulture is more menacing. He's more technological. He's definitely channeling the the alternate universe world. He he is he's great to look at cinematically. And if you have a, a veteran actor uh, coming in like Michael Keaton, I mean you you just it can't be played for laughs like that. So I, I'm so far so far I'm on board. I'm just I will confess I'm a little melancholy that this is more Miles Morales' world, if we're going to be honest, than it is Peter Parker's world. And they still went with Peter Parker for the umpteenth time. You know, that that's the part that kind of nags me. Other than that, I'm on board. Uh, we have, I think, this is our... Oh, what, what happened? He just, he just snapped off. I was going to bring in Q-Storm. I thought uh, that might have been him. Um... All right, let's move forward still. War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> wow. Uh, let, me go, let me go to Daryl. Okay, this might be, uh, be Q-Storm. We'll, we'll get his impressions on both. Q, is that you yes, sir. in the queue? Yes, sir. What's can, up, I, can I get an honorable uh, uh, position on the crew? Can I get an uh, instant position or something like that? No, first of all, you got to do we, one thing. I'm a filibuster. I'm a filibuster here on this one. Excuse me, Afro You got to stop with oh. the millennial, the millennial switching phones back and forth forty different times. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm 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 like a, I think there was a um, didn't the time do a song called Black Trump? That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They, they did do a song. Uh, Black Donald, black yeah, I remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I got business. I, I, I got different different lines, man. I, you know, I'm in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, uh, Philly. That's how it goes. Sir, I, I smell cocoa butter and desperation. But but beyond that, wow. <laughs> we, we, you're already you already have an honorary status here on Africa Radio, so you know that. So so what what's the deal with your thoughts on these two trailers having come come to? Uh, <coughs> The Cyberverse, especially Spider-Man: Homecoming. What did, what did you think about it? Spider-Man: Homecoming. I want to. There's more. I, I, I. There's more that I like about it than I dislike. Uh, I'm excited to see this. Um, let me ask a question, then I'll give you my quick thoughts. The Asian um, gentleman who's in it is he playing the the character from the uh, from the Miles Morales universe, or is he playing? I thought I heard you say he was playing Ned Leeds. <laughs> Who is never yes, a friend please. of Peter Parker. All right? Again, if we want to knock it down, he's playing gank. All right? Yeah. All right? He's playing gank. They're saying, no, it isn't gank. But, uh, sorry, visual look, attitude. You're going to tell a Miles Morales fan and me that isn't gank? Get out of here. That, well, we I mean, knew this so- was coming. We knew this was coming. <sighs> we knew from the get-go. What did I just say? What did I just say? When we started hearing about all of these casting, you know, choices between Zendaya and, um, I forgot her name, I apologize, the girl playing, you know, Liz, I mean, we've got Garcelle Beauvais, we've got Donald Glover, we've got Bokeem Woodbine, we've got, you know, all these people, Michael Mondo, I mean, we were, we were joking, didn't we joke that they're going to put all these people of color in Spider-Man, that there's not going to be anything left 
for Black Panther. I mean, we were joking about this, but why? Why are they doing this? Because, A, it's an apology from Sony for having five Spider-Man movies that were wall-to-wall white, and because of this new relationship with Marvel, they knew how much we wanted Morales. They knew how much we were dying to have Spider-Man 3.0 be Miles Morales, and they decided... No, we didn't have our fair share on on getting, you know, Peter Parker done right. So this is our first shot at it, and we're going to do Peter Parker. We're going to do it our way, but but we'll compromise. We will compromise all the characters and everything within this universe. And that's why I was laughing when they denied, denied, denied that this wasn't Ganki. It is. Obviously it is. You just decided to give him the name Ned Leeds, but clearly we know who he is. We know that this is a compromise, an amalgamation of Peter and and Miles' uh, universes, obviously. Well, what's, what's interesting is, you know, I'm all for uh, all types of representation. I'm glad to see there's Asian representation, but it's like they're, they're kind of cutting their feet, cutting the, the feet off the legs by giving him a clearly Euro uh, name, surname. And, they, you know, what's funny is they're doing that again with the new Star Trek Discovery. They've got the great Michelle Yeoh, who's the new captain, but her name is a – she has a French name. So it's like, what? what is – okay, yeah, you're confusing me here. It's like you're, you're going to 99%. Can you go 100% and just make it completely authentic? But anyway, in regards to the um, the trailer – I'm, I'm excited about it. I think um, I forget the lead actor's name. Uh, the, he's a British fellow. Tom uh, I can't think of his name. Yes, Tom Holland. What, Tom Holland. <clears throat> yeah, I think he's gonna knock it. He's gonna be the Peter Parker. I mean, to hell with Tobey Maguire. To hell with Andrew Garfield. This guy's gonna knock it out of the park. Um, I'm excited about it. There are a couple things. I know this is gonna be sacrilegious. Daryl, just you know, sprinkle the holy water on me, please. But. Okay. Am I wrong to say I'm kind of tired of seeing Tony Stark? Am I wrong to say that? Yeah. Did I want Sp- I want Spider Man to kind of yeah let him stand on his own shot. two feet? You turn your mic off. <laughs> yeah, about yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we well, uh, turn, okay. Turn your mic off too. I understand. Wait, wait. I understand where he's coming from with that because what have I been saying? I'm tired of seeing Wolverine in every X film. All right. I need other identities being pushed to the fore. All right. You, if if Tony Stark is in this film more than ten minutes, then there's a problem. I I'm coming in and saying it's supposed to build Spider Man. It's supposed to build his universe. If Tony Stark is a crutch here, we have a problem. Okay, because then he overshadows Holland in every scene he does. I, what I, was Civil that, War though? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What was Civil War? What was that? What was what was that? That I don't know if I am I on mute or no, can you hear me? You're, you're no, you're on. on. Okay. But that was was I mean you can make an argument that Civil War overshadowed Captain America, but we had seen Captain America. I'm not saying that was right. I'm not saying it was it wrong. Was but an Avenger movie. I'm filibustering today. Well, what I'm saying is that we had, we've seen Captain America in a number of films, Marvel films, already. So I was willing to let that go, to let the studio tell the story they wanted to tell, and they felt like they needed to put that many characters in there. 
we I want I want Spider-Man. I want to see what this Tom Holland Spider-Man can do first. And then if you want to uh, front load him a little bit, okay, I'm fine with that. But, God, I'm tired of seeing Iron Man carry the show for everyone else. And now, now let me move on okay. real quick. The, the Vulture. I mean, the Vulture, when they said they were going to put him in this movie, I was like, is the Vulture really a good visual villain for, for the big screen? And but I think now, this, Michael Keaton. I think this trailer proves that he is not. Oh. Uh, here we go. Uh, I said Michael it. Michael Keaton, hold, baby. Michael hold, Keaton. Hold, hold, I said hold it. Hold on. I know that smell anyway. Frustration and cocoa butter. Looks like we... All right. Hey, man, I'm about to go ball, so you can, you can put the cocoa butter where you want to. Um, you have Michael Keaton... Hold on, hold on. Now, now Deeper, you made a good point. You can't, <laughs> you cannot have an old guy, you know, wear, you know, running around with the vulture costume on. But you've got Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, he got the role of Batman back in the um, uh, late '80s because of the expressiveness of his face as Bruce Wayne. You can put right. Michael Keaton in the vulture costume. You don't have to put on, I want to say it, the Green Goblin mask that cheap plastic-looking mask over oh. Michael Keaton's face. I want to see Michael Keaton's face. His eyes are, are impenetrable. So I don't know. I'm, I've got some reservations about it. looks like it's going back to the Green Goblin, that, that mask. I, I, Power Rangers, man. Uh, it looks nothing so, like that. It looks nothing like um, that. Let, let me go to the... Let me go to the chat room for a minute, and then we'll, we'll revisit. I, I knew this was going to be an issue. There seem to be more things going on with this as well. I see our friend Bison is in our chat room. He says, folks are more pissed at color of women in the trailer than the overall tone of the trailer. I, I thought I might have heard a little bit of that. He might be exploring it a, a bit more, but I thought, I, I thought that I did hear a little bit of shade because you saw that Mr. Holland was pining over Liz Allen, who is of African-American extraction, and then you have Zendaya on the right over there. I mean, you, this is obviously a lot of minority women and white men, a white male, uh, you know, like any other male, pining over these beautiful women. So uh, I suspect there's some, somebody's going to hate. Haters are going to hate. So that, I don't know how big of a deal that is, but Bison brought that out. Uh, our friend John Hutton, also from the left coast, says, uh, change is fine. It is just it just has to be recognizable to the audience. If you change too much, it's tissue rejection. It's a very good analogy. Actually, he's very good on that. Um, he also says Holland plays it more as millennial Peter Parker, an excited fanboy. I need a smart mouse Spider-Man. Ugh. Well, we, we, we might be getting we might be getting too much out of a a two-minute trailer. We might. Well, I thought anyway. he he did that in the the bank scene. You know, hey, yeah, you guys taking that money, yeah. I, I think bank hours are closed. And then when he's up there, he's 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 as talking them as he's kicking their butt. Remember, yeah, yeah that's what I too. I read yeah, that Peter too, Parker I, is mouthy. Hey guys, wait a minute, you're not the real Avengers. Hulk gave it away. So that that to me reads that smart ass. You know, whatever, cocky, that is enjoying himself, that is having vitamin. fun. But yeah. ultimately, I don't need him to be a full-on smartass because I'll be honest with you, that's the part that I felt was pushed a little too hard in 
Andrew Garfield's iteration, and that was starting to annoy me. I'm yeah, not be- saying that I want to be dumb. I'm saying that, you know, I still want you to be <laughs> I still want you to be vulnerable and a kid and you're not necessarily just being a smart ass thinking that you know everything cuz you know you don't. Well, I think that's evident though. The fact that you have a a Tony Stark. First of all, Tony Stark appears there as a mentor. He he you can tell that there's going to be this adventurous connection and he's still a kid, so he's giving him some responsibility but not a lot of responsibility. I mean, there again, what I do appreciate about these fantasy films is you're dealing with a minor. You know, it's, it's you know, it's, even with like Batman and and, and the Robin, you know, Robin was this kid, and he's fighting grown criminals. I mean, you know, you have to suspend disbelief, but at least in this case, he's a teenager. He's being he's being, you know, trained, mentored. Tony Stark to me. I don't necessarily see him overpowering the, the, the scenes. I think he's going to be put in here and there uh, as, as a plausible mentor. So I, I don't really have an issue with, with Tony Stark appearing in, in some of these films. I mean, you know, they want that money, too. So that is an element in it. But I, long, listen, um, Robert Downey Jr. is a beast. So I, I don't have an issue with him really being in any of these films. I'm not, I'm not really tired of, of Iron Man. Maybe some folks are. I'm, I'm not really. I'm not really at that point. Um, I just think that I. I actually liked the the techno vulture costume, and I'm pretty sure we will see enough of Keaton out of costume, where he's going to going to play this roguish, thuggish kind of guy. Uh, but the but the 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 vulture that we all grew up on would not translate well on screen. It will it will, it will be laughable. So I, I thought that this was actually appropriate. And, and also, listen, let's face it. This is an, an amalgam of all these different, I mean, even Tagonki, you know, Gonki leads, you know. I mean, it, the kid looks so much like he was drawn right, drawn right from the pages of a comic book. I mean, he looks, you know who he is. The, his likeness is uncanny. So I, I, I don't really have an issue so far. And I'm a big guy who's a big John Hughes fan, so. And you can tell the difference in in just marketing, just because of the, the nostalgia, the nostalgia factor. The U.S. Uh, trailer, the cut of it, is very much cut as a John Hughes, you know, throwback. It is very much the Breakfast Club, in that sense of how it's put together, what it, you know, what memories and feelings it, it you know, brings up. And the choice of music, the lightness, the all of it, all of it. The international trailer, the international trailer, the music and the pacing is a lot more fast. It's a lot quicker because other countries aren't going to necessarily understand what a John Hughes type of movie is. But, but for those who are concerned that it's just going to be another debacle, like, like poor uh, Paul Giamatti is the rhino. And that mess, that joke, if you're worried about that, then look at the international trailer because you will see more hints of Michael Keaton as Michael Keaton and not in the vulture costume. Because in the international trailer, he's talking to his his crew, you know, and you do see a, um, a quick clip of Joaquin Woodbine in the international trailer, which you don't see in the U.S. version. And so Keaton is talking to his crew and he's, 
he's just saying, just, just real, like the world is changing, so we have to as well. That's, that's, that's basically all it is. And the director even said that the point of choosing the vulture um, was that he wanted someone who was just a regular guy, a regular thug who had to up his game. And I've heard all these different, you know, people dissecting the trailers and looking at everything frame by frame, shot for shot, coming up with these really interesting ideas as to, like when you saw the laser cutting into the ATM, people were like, oh, could that be from Avengers 1? Is that some sort of, you know, the tinkerer is playing with Chitauri technology, alien weaponry? And then when you look at Vulture and his, um, his suit, the propulsion looks very much like a miniaturized version of the the helicarriers. Remember the 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 the, the turbines that yes. that uh, Tony Stark had had um, had redesigned and even gotten in the mix of in Avengers One. So when you when you think about it, all of this it, that's the whole point. It's all connected. It's all connected. I suspect that we're going to see a lot of different throwbacks to the previous Marvel films. You know, a lot of different references are going to tie in to where we are now. So I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled about that. And yes, yes, I don't want it to be some cheesy thing because we've already seen that. We've already seen a, a bad, bad representation of Venom. We've already seen a bad representation of Rhino and uh, whatever the hell that was with, um, oh gosh, what was it, Jamie Foxx? Electro. Electro. We've seen multiple iterations of uh, Green Goblin. It's like, enough already. Enough already. I am ready for something different. And even if it means seeing more of these guys outside of their costume, just so that I can, you know, just that, oh, God, just that menace. We don't know for sure that he was talking to Peter when, you know, we see Michael Keaton in the, the, uh, facing the back seat of the car. We don't know exactly who he's talking to. But when he makes that threat, it's like, you, you don't want to mess with me because I will kill you and everybody you love. Just just having Michael Keaton say those words, I mean, come on. I'm ready. I'm ready to see this movie like tomorrow. I'm ready. I just, I don't really know how I feel about Guardians of the Galaxy right now. I'm having this exact same hesitation that I did for Guardians 1. When I saw the early cuts of their trailers, I wasn't I wasn't excited. I was kind of annoyed. It seemed a little too hokey, too kitty, too cheesy, silly. But but they surprised me. They totally surprised me. When I finally saw it, I I loved it. So I'm hoping the same is true for for Guardians 2. But right now I think this is definitely taking the lead for me. All right, let's let's move things forward a little bit. Um, let's talk about this war for the planet of the planet of the apes. Um, I, I wow, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say about this thing. It looks it looks extremely menacing. Uh, let's let's go to let's let's go to Q. Q, did you happen to see this this third third trailer? Well, I should say the trailer for the third film. I haven't seen it. Uh, I, I got to tell you, the the, the series thus far is not. He hasn't, as the British would say, has not grabbed me by the bollocks so far. So I wasn't too. Oh, um, here we go. You, do you, I wasn't you too like... stressed. To, I wasn't too you stressed know, to see it, but uh, I'm about to turn this guy's mic off, man. I'm not going to say it. What's going on here? <laughs> it's a you 
Mikey. You remember, you remember Life Cereal? Remember Life Cereal? You like Mikey, man. You don't like anything, man. You don't like He's anything. the anti-Mikey? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am I am old school. I want to see Caesar upright walking in what looks like a yeah. 1999 suit <laughs> with his woman <laughs> talking in her suit. It looks like it's from Logan's Run. That's what I want to see. <sighs> well, hey, hey, David Walker has Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes oh. out in the comic shops now. Uh, if you want the old school, you got that out there. You know, the the trailer is okay to me. I mean, it, it, this one is supposed to be the most uh, myopic, uh, dysfunctional, uh, dire trailer yet. Because, hey, essentially the apes have won, right? We're like... So or at least they they have more control of this than the humans at this point. So you you need to see this movie from the ape perspective going down, and it looks like from the first trailer that's what they're giving you. Well, first of all, I'm I'm curious about what Q Storm is talking about because I have a great deal of fondness for the the first Planet of the Apes films going back to 1968. Simply because um, that was many people look at, or many many folks that study film look at that those films as really being the the precursor for what we know now to what we now know to be the franchise, to be the blockbuster, to be the the uh, the films that actually end up having all this merchandising, all all of what we what we take for granted now when it comes down to Star Wars. And it comes down to uh, any of these big franchise films. The 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 foundation really lies with those first Planet of the Apes, Planet of the Apes films. And you had folks like uh, Roddy McDowell, you know, and um, uh, who was the lead the lead guy? I'm now forgetting his name. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. I've, I've gone blank. Anyway, Charlton uh, Heston. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Oof, I need more ginseng. Charlton Heston. Uh, that that has a special place in in film history. What came after that, like the Tim Burton version, that was a false start. Now these other films coming coming back. I mean, many people. You even had um, what's his face who who was who uh, does the motion motion capture who plays Caesar. He's phenomenal. I mean. Yeah, circus. Andy Circus. circus. There was Andy Circus. Was there even uh, Oscar talk for him with, with the first? I mean, I thought that was just hate on those kind of films. But I thought he, I thought his performance for the first film was worthy of of at least an Oscar nod. Um, and these motion capture films that he he seems to be the expert in this kind of stuff. So I, you know, this third film is I mean, it's such a it's such a great homage to the films of the past, but it's certainly an update. So I, I uh, you have um, Woody Harrelson. You know, he's a great actor. He, you know, he's, um, I don't know. So far, I, I, I like what I see. This, this, is, this is a film to be taken seriously. So I, I don't know what else you would want. I mean, again, you know, you, you had a false start with Tim Burton, who Tim Burton can do these films visually, but there was nothing else going on. You know, uh, you you had Marky Mark in that. It was horrible. <laughs> it was, it was well, like I said, I, I, I haven't seen. What, I haven't what do you, seen. What do you like? 
But I'm just saying, I, I, I admit I haven't seen the trailer, but the reason I haven't is because, I mean, I just saw something in my inbox today, you know, check out the new trailer. I wasn't that stressed because I, the, the, the first two films, now the second, the second one I liked better than the first, but only so much more because I felt the same way when I saw the first one. I felt the same way I did when I saw the trailer for Passengers. It just seems like a modern-day cash grab where you have, you have a lot of CGI budget for CGI. You get a couple of actors who, you know, aren't aren't going to be too expensive. And I, I just didn't see the heart in. It. I got no heart in that film, like like you do with the originals. Uh, it just it just seemed like a corporate. We need to put a bottom line tentpole on our books. That's what I felt when I saw the movie. That's kind of what I felt with the second one. But the second one at least gave me a little bit more. It was a hackneyed story, but. It, I felt there was a raw kind of connection there. Uh, Check out the trailer to life. The trailer to life. I'm more hyped for that than passengers. Okay. A life got a multicultural cast. B it rips off a lot from alien, but you know what? I need that right now. Okay. The, the, this space thing with these all white, uh, Cruise and I'm supposed to be invested in their their relation. No, no, no. This is not going to work for me right now. Check out the trailer to life, people. All right. And 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 see, I am done with Jennifer Lawrence. Completely done with her. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. What 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 is so bad about Jennifer Lawrence? Cue Claire in three, two, one. Hey, hi, hi, guys, do it. <laughs> well, she destroyed Mystique. Here it comes. <laughs> Okay. Uh, she even... absolutely has completely, you know, co-opted the the, the X Men franchise into the Mystique show. I mean, honestly, I'm you know you're not the only one, Q. I'm right there with well, you. I'm, I'm not I even talking about that I'm... motion. I'm sick of her. I'm sick of her. <laughs> no. And we need we need to just we need a break. Okay. I'm not even talking we about her acting. I'm not even talking about her acting. I'm talking about her. Her mentality, her attitude. I guess you guys didn't hear that story about they were filming in Hawaii. What she did with the sacred stones? Yeah, I, I heard the story. I'm not shocked. She Justin bieber those sacred stones. Uh, folks, um, I, I guess I need a little exposition here. In Hawaii, they're shooting a movie. She goes to a sacred site, and let's just say she performs a bit of desecration on stones that the people consider sacred. All right? That's about as bad as what Justin Bieber did. I believe it was in Mexico where he mooned and and acted like like a punk on on some of the uh, the Mexican historical sites or to the point where it was rumored he's banned from ever going stepping foot in Mexico. Uh, I see, thought you were talking about what he did at the Anne Frank Museum. Oh, he did. Oh, he, like I said, but the Anne Frank one, he was just snotty. That that was him younger. This Mexican thing happened last year. <laughs> last year wow. he did that. The Anne Frank, he was a kid. He doesn't know that yet. So I gave him a pass on that. But obviously, with with all of this, these guys have no respect. Hold it. Let me let me channel Afro nerd here, millennials. Anyway. <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm done with J Law. She, I, I want to. I, I I was in Hawaii in June. We we went on those tours 
of these sacred sites. I had my camera. I was I was awed. I was uh, was humbled. I mean, yeah. it's not my culture, but I respect the culture. And she, I don't. You gotta you gotta YouTube her on Graham Norton or a couple yeah, of British Graham talks. Norton. She was laughing about it, and Chris Pratt was sitting there like, "Are you you're kidding me? Are you serious?" So well, she, now we know why like Chris Pratt has been cutting her out of every one of those selfies. Yeah, this is not the first time she's exhibited social. Well, maybe sociopathic is a little harsh, but the way she handles the press, she's a total jerk. So I'm finished with her. Hunger Games sucked too. So hey, <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> well, you know, I will. I will agree. I, I have less. I have less. Uh, Less love for that series. I mean, I think for the I saw the first two. Um, all of the hate that was levied toward the minority characters in the Hunger Games, when the characters were actually created as characters of color, and the the, the, the white uh, readers still still read white, although they were black and brown characters. That to me, it was it was it was uh, you're a sociopath or something. You're, you know, it, it, I, I had no response to that. You know, when, when um, when the the uh, what's the actress's name? Um, she's a, she's also does comic books as well. Thank you. When 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 Amanda Stenberg was killed as a child, I mean she's like a, almost grown now. But as a kid, I was affected by that scene. And when I saw that there were there were um, folks that looked at that at that scene and said, "Oh, I didn't feel anything when she died." I'm like, "What?" It's still it's still a kid. Like the 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 coloring of the child makes it where you don't care for that child. I, mean, I, I was already... I had to tell you, I feel, sometimes science fiction and when they mix up mix up with race and color and this whole this whole apathy that some people have toward humanity of other people because of their, their ethnicity or color, uh, I, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of that. I, I can't take it. Now, I see our friend Bison makes a, made a comment about, um, about War, of the, War for the Planet of the Apes that he hasn't seen the series. Now, I'm wondering if he hasn't seen... This series or the entire? Because he says, haven't seen two minutes of the entire series. Pierre Boulle, enough said. Now Pierre Boulle is the original author of "quote unquote" Monkey Planet, which ends up being Planet of the Apes, which ends up being a screenplay by Rod Serling. So I'm I'm wondering why, why you know I don't get that. Like, there's an issue with Pierre Boulle. I mean, we all yeah, know. He- yeah, we, we we know the racial well, 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 undertones all... of this. Yeah, well, well we know that uh, that it's, it's a racial allegory, but I, I don't know if that's really. I still don't quite. I mean, I, I've always looked to see if there's been any write-up about any racism from coming from Pierre Bull. I have I've never really seen that. Only that this was his attempt to to uh, address the racial problems through quote-unquote monkey planet so i I guess he's probably looking at the entirety entirety of the series as problematic but i mean if he if he thinks that way then he might as well talk he might as well have this feeling about about king kong too king kong and fey ray i mean they've made out they've made analogies to that i don't know where you where that starts and where that ends anyway um uh daryl you want to say something 
No, I was going to say, hey, it, 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 it ties back into some of the stuff Bison said he's been seeing about Peter Parker and Homecoming. We're lusting after, lusting after these, these girls of other races. Hey, listen, what did I say? I said it since, since I first came on the show. I said it. Spider-Man should have the most diverse cast of any white superhero. Why? He was born in Forest Hills. He's raised in Forest Hills. Guess what? Forest Hills is the probably one of the top five most diverse cities, suburbs in the dang country. At no time do you have less than 20 different races on the street in Forest Hills. Okay? We said it from jump. That's why these people, oh, he should be white. He should be rusting after white. Oh, wait, wait. No, she's like Latin. No, she's like black. I'm like, all right, so we're going to do a reverse die hard with a vengeance here. You guys that are complaining, I want you to put that on a sign and walk in the middle of Forest Hills. Just walk down and see if you could survive walking the whole, whole uh, 10 mile stretch. Coming through without having a person of color cost you. Good luck with this. I I will go full Sam Jackson mode here. Go ahead, sucker. Go ahead, walk. You're so proud of your convictions about this. You know. Go All ahead, right. walk. We got we got pl- we got go call. ahead. We got a caller. We got a caller. Hold on. I think this might be Bison himself, and then we're gonna go to a Christmas uh, Christmas jam. Hold on. Bison, is this you? Seven oh three. Yes. But I can hold until after the Christmas jam. Okay, let's do that. I want to. I want to hear your thoughts about Pierre Boulle. As uh, I would just ask you this: you ha- you have never seen the the entire going back to the '60s or just this iteration of of uh, the re- Planet of the Apes? No, the reboot. I haven't seen any of the reboots. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, we'll put you on hold. Bring you right back. I'm I'm very curious to see what you say about Pierre Boulle. Anyway, folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk and the entire staff going to a Bootsy Collins interpolation of this, not this, this Christmas. Give me about two minutes, folks. We'll be right back. Uh, this Let's goes do out to Donny Hathaway and his beautiful family this Christmas, baby. Yeah, this Christmas, baby.
guess it's time to open. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're back. Legendary bassist, just an icon, Bootsy Collins, folks, giving you some Christmas funk this Christmas. Fitting in with our, you know, with our branding of Urban Alternative Group, Black Rock and Roll, Psychedelic Soul. Let's get into it, folks. Uh, we brought our supporter, stalwart supporter, Bison, to bring him back. I'm curious as to his thoughts about this. Well, I know he hasn't really seen the, the, uh, the new iteration of the Planet of the Apes, but you, you referenced Pierre Bull, and because of that, you have no interest. So kind of expound on that a little bit, Bison, if you, if you, if you can. Man, you got me in a corner. I was going to talk about the um, other trailers, but before I go into yeah, you what you asked. You do that. You do that. Can you ask a quick question? Will, is, is, will Sergio be calling in anytime soon? I kind of miss him. Well, he was Sergio in last week. He was, yeah. Sergio was in uh, the last show. He sat in. Okay, apologies. Okay, I'm a, I'm sorry. I didn't. This is the last show. Well, no. Um, just I mean, nothing. No, you know, I'm not going to go militant on everyone. It's just um, the writer. You know, there was a lot of allegories to um, colonialism. You know, during when he was writing these books, it's about when a lot of African nations were escaping colonialism. And there's a lot of um, e- equations with that. Um, some of the, um, I know the last movie with the eights with the fifths in the air was supposed to be sort of like it equals the black power movie of the 70s. There's just a lot of things like that. It's no long, deep-seated thing, but it's just so much stuff coming out. You can't, you can't see everything. And that's just one of the things I just chose not to see. You know, there's some superhero movies that's coming out. Have come out. I haven't seen Deadpool yet. I can't see everything. I'm not going to try to see everything. And with you know what the sort of the backstory with that, I said the hell with it. You know, I catch it when I catch it, but it's nothing I'm going to go out of my way to see. That's all. But the books were written as sort of a. It was a an um, allegory to. European colonial, you know, during Africa during the colonial period in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's all. Nothing more than that. What about the Spider-Man Homecoming? I have a question. I do have a question to Daryl, who I know is like a comic book nerd. Is probably not a a strong enough word. Let's just say he's a passionate fan. Okay. (laughs) No, you know, I was going to use I was going to use another word, but. I respect everyone here immensely. Fanatic, have no, no life. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We can roll down this street. Let's go with this. <laughs> no, you, you have you have a life as I've seen on Twitter. Um, let's be honest. It, it this seems like, I mean, generally I like the trailer. I mean, you know, but I think at this point, that just seems like it's just derivative of so many things. Okay, let me pull from the ultimates. Let me pull from this. Let me pull from Miles Morales. Let me pull from Spider-Man 2. Let me put a sheen on it and let me sell it. Do you have that feel that it's sort of um, been there, done that, or is this general excitement because Marvel has the property? It's a little of both because we've seen Marvel do it and do it correctly in Civil War. Winter Soldier, 
where those weren't just one storylines. They pulled from many, and we've seen Marvel fail at it. Thor, uh, Thor Dark World, <laughs> uh, Iron Man 3, you know, where they pull from a, a lot of different storylines, and it doesn't mesh well. My hope for this is Marvel is so behind this. They've, they've championed getting this property back for the longest, that they're not going to mess it up. My big problem is you're using so much of the ultimate line while Miles was the head guy <laughs> that I got to see how the dynamic with Peter works. Because a lot of what I'm seeing here in this was with Miles Morales as the head. You know, uh, like you're giving me you're giving me this amalgamation between Peter and Miles, but the thing in my head as I see that scene where where uh, Gank I'm not going to call him that leads <laughs> where Gank is talking to Peter and doing that reminds me so much of in the Ultimate books when Miles and Gank are looking at Katie and just going. So are you going to go talk to her? I mean, you're a hero, right? You could go and talk to her. You know, that's what that scene reminded me of. And all in my head is thinking, that should be Miles there. <laughs> that should be Miles. So, again, folks, hey, it's not that I'm hating on Tom Holland as Spidey, but just like with, with uh, uh, Mr. Jordan as Human Torch, I went, yeah, I got the other guy's human torch. Let me see how this goes. At least with Miles, I have this on paper already. I'm ready to see how that would have gone. So, uh, I mean, hey, you know what? Like I said, Tom Holland, it looks like he nails Peter Parker, and it looks like he nails Spider-Man, and he'll be the first actor to nail both in the same movie. The problem I have is the appropriation of all of, like, some of Miles's not action moments, but Miles moments being used in this trailer. Well, can I ask one more thing, Beaver? I know you're going to move on, but my thing is from every movie now, I'm thinking Infinity War. How do characters fit into Infinity War, or am I, or am I too looking too deep into it? Because I'm looking at Infinity War sort of the... So we're gonna wrap everything up, and we're gonna move on to whatever's next. It's well, only I, well, natural. I think what's happening. Well, I think what's going to happen is uh, the the Ragnarok is probably going to expound on that more. But you, you're really seeing many of these these after credit scenes kind of netting all of that together. But we're we're led to believe that for the uh, Infinity Wars. There's going to be, a, a, I don't know, what, 80 some odd characters on screen at the same time, potentially. So, you know, it's going to be a big crescendo for that film. But, uh, yeah, the, the netting, everything is connected, but um, you're not going to get a clear sense of, of where that's leading to, I think, probably post, post uh, Ragnarok. And I think Ragnarok's going to surprise us as well. Because Thor, has been, Thor, out of all of the other characters, has truly been mediocre. But I think that this one, might actually break that 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 kind of mediocre streak because because he has other characters in there to balance him out. Except for Daryl. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that's been their best short since since the uh, 
the the Kingsley and Jail one. You know, that's been their best short. It, Thor and his roommate, you know. So, hey, that's the best thing he's been in. Sorry, Thor yeah, Warner Brothers. And respectfully to Bison, I mean, I, I, I hear where he's coming from because I've, I've also had my, my concerns. And listen, I've been saying this for years on the show, that when, when the Ultimate Comic Book line first came out, I was just assuming that that was going to be a place for multiculturalism because, again, uh, when, did, when did the Ultimate line come out, Daryl? Like early 2001. August, 2001. Yeah, 2001. So at, at that point, we're already in the 21st century. And I'm, leading, I'm led to believe that they, they just can't reboot 1963 all over again, or 60, 61 all over again. And that's exactly what they did. They rebooted it with just a little sprinkle of color. I said this should have been, if this was a different universe, or a younger universe, more modernized, that should have been the place where we should have seen an immersion of color. And we did not, do, we did not get it. And now, and now that we are even deeper past the early aughts, of, of, of early 2000s, where multiculturalism, where you, we're, we're in a post-black presidency, um, all these people of color are being represented now, could be better, obviously, that when they came, when, when, when Marvel had the opportunity to get some kind of control over the Spider-Man character through, you know, the Sony deal, that why would we, why would we revisit Peter Parker again? I mean, after, I mean, just, after all of the Peter Parkers that are out that, that have been, we've seen Peter Parkers for, forever. Hell, uh, what's the actor's name? Neil Hammond, I think, from the '70s TV series. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we we've seen white Peter Parker or white Spider-Man forever. So if you know the fact that uh, Marvel has, has really kind of shown themselves to be this this on the cusp uh, with it in the now kind of company, I would have just figured that Miles Morales would have been would have been the guy. And the fact that they did the movie this way, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of funny, too. The fact that they even made the movie this way, it's really a Miles Morales picture. There's no way to get around that. Like, why, why would they have someone who looks like Gonky and, and the way that the, 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 this younger, uh, hotter um, Aunt May, I mean, everything points to the ultimate universe, and, and I mean, it's, it's kind of absurd. Matter of fact, if you look at it, if you really want to take it to the next level, you could even say that Marissa Tomei, uh, she favors more of a Miles Morales mom than the way that we we saw kind of a hotter, gray, hotter, gray-haired, uh, younger um, Aunt May. So, I mean, they definitely, they went out, they channeled uh, the Miles Morales mythology Almost wholesale. These would be well, his. Deaver, you know what These it probably really did? Be... They probably said. They probably said this tested better than Morale, Miles Morales film. <laughs> they probably floated. They probably floated out something, and you know, it got back that people want Peter Parker. It's the same reason you're gonna see a John, excuse me, a Hal Jordan, um, Green Lantern in Injustice League instead of John Stewart. They're gonna go back to the testing models. Guarantee it. <laughs> Yeah, matter of fact, Bison, we should let let uh, Afro-Nerd and Cap and Claire in on the conversations we were having with guys from the Comic Noob show. Because this week, the, the sales was released for Marvel. 
And the, the whole conversation we got started when we found out that Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is like 196th on the list. And I'm like, this book is quality. How is it only 196th on the list between Marvel, DC, on, on the sales list? And then we found out the Cyborg book and the Blue Beetle book are the least selling of the DC titles, down like at 95 and 93 and 95th. And the only thing we can point to is that these comic book buyers are not getting with the diversity FOs, at least when it comes to characters of color, at the major two, and and we started a long conversation through it, and we had a lot of guys from different podcasts chime in about it, and that's the thing we we got with. So this is why we can't shut up about it because we're getting a Miles Morales movie with Peter Parker right now. You you like the Miles Morales story so much, you had to do it with a white. I'm sorry, folks. I had to say it like that. Well, I, you know what? I'm I'm not so listen. I'm not disagreeing with the, the sales numbers, but again, that that goes to what we need to be doing on our show and what we still continue to do. I don't know. I can't speak for the other podcasters, but there's got to be a way to actually push these books forward. And I'm curious. How does this play a role with the fact that you have this, this certainly burgeoning movement for nerds of color? I mean, you're going to have a, a blurred con around your haunting grounds, Bison, uh, in a few months, in 2017. We have, uh, next month, we have our infamous, we're going to have John Jennings on the show pretty soon. I reached out to him for the Black Comic Festival in, 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 in the Schomburg. I mean, last year... There were between five and 7,000 attendees, and the, the reason why he, he expanded it to two days on the East Coast, probably because there's going to be even more people. So the, the, the representation for minorities, uh, for, for um, uh, comic fans of color, keeps on moving exponentially. So I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of at odds with how can these black and brown books not be selling if the fan base obviously is becoming more and more, I mean, I'm seeing these people. I mean, it, it, what is? How does that? How does that happen? It's easy, Deaver. One, people aren't buying the books. You have a generation that's used to not. If they're not paying for cable television, music, other forms of entertainment, what, what makes you think they're gonna go buy comic books? I mean, you saw the Storm book. What are the last twelve issues? I won't even get into Nighthawk. And Miss Marvel has been just excellent because I think other, um, I think it's more gender than racial who's back in that, but I could be wrong. I'm just, I don't want to speak out of turn on that. But at the end of the day, we're not buying books. I mean, we're blogging, people are blogging and tweeting, but people aren't buying. And at the end of the day, comic book is a business. And, I mean, outside of the core fandom, and I'm not even going to try to put a number on that. Because, I mean, the first couple of Black Panther books was off the charts. But I think that's coming back down to reality now. I don't know about that. Well, well, Daryl, you might have the numbers on that, but for the year, for the year, the Black Panther book has been outselling everybody. It's the best-selling book for 2016, period. Yeah, but but, but Bicey does have a point. 
from starting with four going down, it's been declining. <laughs> it's been going down itself. And to me, the book's been quality. All right? It's just the luster of the new is now gone. And guys, oh, well, wait, wait. I, I will use how certain segments said about Luke Cage. Oh, this is too black for us. Wow, I've never said Superman was too white for me. Hey, I never said Captain America was too white for me. Um, what? <laughs> I think another trick that you see at a lot of comic book shops, they only they might have five copies at most. Um, they're going to order what people ask for. But, you know, they're not going to stick their toe too deep in it. They might get five, less than ten copies. But they Excuse me, well, they may get 200 copies of All-Star Batman because, I mean, there's a history and a fandom there. They won't order it if the fans don't ask for it. And I make sure I go to, like, three of them, shops, and I say, listen, order this. Like, I did that for Solar Man. I did that for World of Wakanda. I did it, you know, even though I kind of wish I didn't. Strange Fruit by Mark Wade. If people don't ask for it, the combo comes not going to get it. The, the shop's not going to order it. Uh, and I, I think well, you're right about that. People pass around. I, I write. I write about. I mean, I, I think you're right about that. But I think there's also a deal with because I mean, listen, we we especially Dal and myself, we know many of these shop owners intimately, and they will tell you straight up to your face that they're only going to order a few of these books because they don't want to be left with a surplus of books that aren't moving. But I also think that they, also, they, they have a habit of projecting when they see a minority book, whether it's a, a book with an Asian character or, or a, woman, a female character, they already take a certain kind of positioning when they see that book, and they just, you know, they, they, they're, not as, they're not as in tune. See, so that's the one thing about that's a little frustrating when you're dealing with the comic book retailers is that many of these folks are comic fans, but they're not as in tune to what's happening on the ground to really get a sense that these books are going to blow up. Sometimes they look at the books on a very surface level and say, "Oh, this is a this is this is a women's a woman's book. I'm I'm not going to go full 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 tilt on this because I don't think it's going to move." So they just they just make a decision and say, "I'm not going to order a lot of these books." Uh, I knew folks many years ago. The 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 uh, retailer would tell me to my face, "Black books don't sell. I'm not going to I'm not going to put a lot of black books out here." You're just not going to do it. And then when they do sell, they look at you like, well, I, I didn't know. So it, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a, it's a weird thing. Hey, well, uh, um, and again, it's not a shot at the retailers. You know, uh, 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 Bice's brought up many a time, okay? You really like the book? Go tell your retailer to order it for you. And not just that, you know, friends that go to the shop, tell them, hey, there's this book coming out, man. Give it a shot. I'm not saying you need to to order the whole series and they give it, give the first one a shot and see how you like it. Go ahead, give, give it a chance. You know. You know what I think has to happen, um, um, Daryl. It's sort of like um, when a movie's released. You know, back in the day when an African American movie was released, we make sure, okay, all right. Let's all go see it so you make X amount of money. I think we got to have the same mentality with comic books. And I know you've, you've trumpeted it, 
and many others, you know, in the blur community have done that. But I think it's going to have to go outside the community to do that, to get it up to certain numbers. Because the blur community, and I see the enthusiasm online, but it's not um, positioning itself in sales. And, you know, Alex Alonzo and um, the other um, editors, eventually they're going to sit down and say, listen, we tried it, it didn't sell, we're moving on to the next thing. Well, you know, but at the same time, well, let me go to this, this um, St. Clinton in our chat room, and I want to make a comment after that. He says, the problem with sales for black comic books is that they aren't out in the open in the stores. One has to search for them. Plus, black youth don't come into the comic store because they, now, they know that they won't find comics featuring people of color. I, uh, that's a, what? That, 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 that's, that's a mixed bag right there because I will tell you that youth, irrespective of color, may or may not be coming into, into the, into the uh, comic book stores. I mean, I, I'm start, starting to see more, just, I'm just seeing more young people. But I, I would be honest with you, in the comic shop a few days ago, I saw, saw uh, um, Middle Eastern black and Hispanic youths in the comic store. So we're seeing minority representation going in there. I'm starting to see more of it. I'm seeing more women in there. I mean, I'm actually seeing more of these people buying these comics. And I'd say they are millennials, but as far as younger kids, that's kind of hit or miss. They're, They're there for Pokemon cards and for action figures. They're not there really buying comic books per se. They're older adult fathers are buying comic books. But I, 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 I will say I've seen more of a, of a diverse crowd in the last 10 years than I've ever seen in comic book stores. So there, there, there is a little bit. We can't be too naive to think that, that these big blockbuster movies aren't having an effect with some of these folks coming into these stores. Uh, the retailers will tell me, pull me to the side and tell me, hey, you know, I had a pretty good week this week. A lot of people are coming in here. So I, I just think that uh, it, to, to St. Clinton's issue, that we're not, there's got to be a better branding for this stuff. There's always well, a yeah, whole. Also, there, go ahead. No, there are fewer comic book stores, period. You have the um, luxury of being in New York City, where, you know, if you throw a rock, it's going to hit five comic book stores. Well, and, the, you know, people out in the hinterlands, you know, you got to drive to and fro to find one. I think there are less than 2,000 or maybe 1,200 in the entire country now. And I've been to like 550 of them offhand. Um, well, no, 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 kidding, kidding, but I've been to a lot of comic book stores. Uh, I will say Manhattan, I start my comic hunt at Midtown. They, It's generally older crowd early. And then later on, that that's when you get teenagers and stuff like that come in. Um, but they they have all the new books right there in the forefront. As you walk in, you could see a top rack, all, and and I've seen a very uh, uh, it's not just one type. It's been a very very mixed selection. Of people shopping, and I've seen people grab. Hey, this interests me. I'm grabbing it. This interests me. Grabbing it. I mean, that's a cool thing. Now, with our shop, superhero comics, oh, in Long Island, 
it's an older crowd generally and 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 it's older and mostly white <laughs> you know so so i could see where cuz they're set in their ways they're uh, i mean to to me to debert you know we love the diversity initiative going over here i mean hey my book of the week was champions 3 and all you need to do is look inside and see what that story is and you'll know why it's my book of the week you know, I I was just like, I was salivating reading that Friday, like, about damn time, I needed a social initiative there. You know, I and and as I say this, folks, Nailbiter27, one of my friends, Caramel Vixen, has a short story in there, and it's guaranteed to scare the living out of you. And Goldie Vance 8. Goldie Vance 8 came out. Perfect all ages book for kids of color. All right, I, I, I'll plug away. I will continue to plug. But you know what? We got to keep on working. We can't. We can't get uh, feet of clay here. We just got to keep on working. Got to keep on shouting from the mountaintops. All right, let's let's move forward. Let's talk about this. Um, I spoke about it a little bit on Wednesday, and I'm curious because I know that some of the folks didn't get a chance to, to discuss it. Westworld's finale. Episode 10. Now, I know that I've, gotten, I've, I've had to pull teeth with some of our listenership who couldn't get into the slow pacing of the Westworld reboot on HBO. And I, I have confessed, I've been very candid, that for the first couple of episodes, I fell asleep multiple times in the middle of some of these programs. But at some point, I, I had a certain level of stick-to-itiveness. I powered through... And I noticed that, that I thought that this, this uh, series is a gem. But you've got to get past a lot of exposition and a lot of how the Nolans write. Uh, the Nolans have a tendency to write in a, re- in a kind of circular, repetitive way. It's, it, it's, it's memento. It's uh, m- many of their properties, they have this whole cerebral repetition thing going on. And that's exactly what – it's like a Groundhog Day for, for science fiction with, with, with how they – some of their properties. Anyway, I thought that episode 10 was explosive. Um, and I even had my own kind of goofy analogy. I love connecting um, pop culture to reality. And I thought that I said that uh, Donald Trump lives in race world and that maybe he is the Sir Anthony Hopkins character where white folks can, uh, some whites, I don't want to say all, obviously. Some whites who have a racial animus, they uh, are living their fantasies. If they, if they ever wanted to spit in your face or call you the N-word or tell you to go back to your country, some of these folks are living vicariously through Donald Trump's race world. And so that's just me making those, uh, kind of making those connections. But Westworld finale uh, kind of went down for me. I, I, I thought it was an excellent finale uh unfortunately we're not going to see um season two till i think 2018 so anyway let's go to claire claire i know i i had to pull your teeth you weren't you know you weren't really about it in the beginning but you trusted my you know you trusted my my taste so what were your thoughts about so, episode here's 10? The thing. i haven't seen it i haven't seen the finale oh here we go i tried watching it today but it's just my computer is so slow that it's taking forever to load, and I didn't have enough time to watch all 
90 minutes of the finale before the show started. So I haven't seen it, so don't give anything away. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, finishing the series. Because, uh, yeah, you're right. At first I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm 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 ready to quit. I'm ready to put this away and, and just wait till it comes out on DVD in a couple of years. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that I stuck with it. I'm I'm glad. It's been, it's been, like I've, I've said it before, it's a very, very, very slow burn. It takes forever to unravel and to, you know, peel back the layers, you know, bit by bit. But once you do get through it, it's definitely a brain teaser. It's definitely a yarn because you, once you get invested in some of these characters, especially the Tandy Newton and the Evan Rachel Wood, you know, characters, you definitely want to see where it goes. You definitely want to see what happens to them. I never saw the movie, so I want to wait until after I finish the series before I, I delve into taking a look at, at how it compares to the to the movie with Yul Brenner. But, um, but no, I mean, I I think it's really interesting. It's a really, really novel concept it like you said it's very much in that nolan-esque style of uh writing and playing with you know playing with time basically playing with the expression of time and we've seen that several several iterations of it whether it be like you said memento um inception interstellar they like to play with the fragmentation of time so it's not done in a linear fashion so it's interesting once you get through it it's funny it's very funny to me how everybody's theory was just you got everybody nailed it basically like they just saw right through it um so i'm hoping that there are going to be some interesting twists and surprises in this in this 90 minute finale which i'm sorry i've yet to watch I'm, I'm behind on everything this week i've been slammed so i have not seen any of the winter finales of of supergirl flash you know legends nothing i'm just agents of shield i'm completely behind but that's why it's a winter finale because we have all you know the next few weeks to to catch up on it yeah, I would agree with you that I, even I'm behind about maybe two or three episodes with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So even I have to catch up. But I, I will say I was a, a bit obsessive with Westworld, so I was on top of that. And I'm, I'm a little bit obsessive on um, on humans, which to me, it's droid. Sunday is droid night for me. And even humans, which I thought was not necessarily as good as Westworld, even they have kind of raised the stakes up a bit. And... Uh, I would, they're still not quite to Westworld status, but they're gaining, in my estimation. They're gaining. Let me go to the uncanny. Any thoughts on, without giving so much away with episode 10, any thoughts about how this, this season um, has, has uh, ended and maybe some expectations in a general sense as to what we might see for season two? Okay, so, so what I just gathered from that is I can't talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all right, okay, I can't do that. I can't talk about Arrow. But you know what? Shout out to Echo Kellum. 
me and him got into a convo. I talked to Mr. Terrific, and it, the, the season finale was by far his best episode. And, folks, if you've seen the season finale of Arrow, Curtis, give it credit. Finally, you know, he, uh, he was not just a jokester. He got to show emotion there. Uh, so, Echo, thank you for the time. I, 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 I appreciate it, and you know I'm going to work on trying to get him on the show. All right? Um, in terms of Westworld, I think the finale was the opposite of the first show. The big stuff happened in the finale in the first 20 minutes. And it sort of went, uh... Like, we found out that our timeline rumor was about 90% correct. We still don't know what the, the where we are. Is it we are in the future and this is looking through this at a dro- through a droid's memories or our host's memories? Or... Are we actually in all three timelines or time sections, you know, seeing how these things occur? But I will say this. I used to think Dandy Newton was the slam dunk to get the, the most awards consideration. Uh-uh. Jeffrey Wright with this episode passed her. Jeffrey Wright is is right there. If the only uh, if the only uh, award nominations go to Ed Harris uh, or Sir Anthony Hopkins, there's a problem. Jeffrey Wright, that this is heartbreaking. This this uh, this is hell. I will say this is hell. All right, and and I find myself uh, like like emotionally right there with the host. Like wow. Uh, like with the original movie, I was like, "Oh my God, they're evil!" Oh, yeah. but here I find myself more in line with the host than the actual humans. There's only one redeeming human on the show, and the, with this last episode, my my uh, thoughts about him just went in the crapper. So, <laughs> but this is without giving anything away, folks. I, it, it's a great build. The ending just dropped the ball a little to me. All right, and and I'll say that all truthfully, I'm I'm probably right there with you, Afrinard. Back to you. Um, the only thing about about Westworld, and again, I'm not going to really go into into a lot of it because uh, of in deference to to Claire, but I, I will say, uh. We know the Nolans are the masters of misdirection. When you think of uh, when you think of of the Prestige, the Prestige was all about misdirection. I mean, it's about magic, but just the way that movie ended up, it was full misdirection. And I think this is exactly what's happening with the season finale of. I think because the way the season finale is, you may not even know if there's, if there, if there's going to be a Westworld, but, but I'm pretty sure. There's going to be some kind of some kind of world, whatever the, whatever the rebranding is or whatever you know something's going to. I think there's just misdirection, and I think this this might be uh, just another another script that Sir Anthony Hopkins has been creating because that's something we've been seeing throughout the entire process. That you know all these episodes, it was the corporation. He and the corporation butting heads over 
over over the storyline. The, the corporations want, which is pretty much like real life, they they want sim- more simplistic, family friendly storylines. And he he the, the the Hopkins character was more interested in these kind of convoluted, complex storylines. So I think this might be kind of the coup de grace where we may be going into a far more complex world. And we got a hint, but this was also known from the, the early earlier iteration. We have a hint that there are more that there are certainly more worlds. That's for sure. And that, that makes it even that makes it interesting to me. That what are the other worlds? <laughs> where are the other worlds? So uh you may have a whole different cast or you could even have a uh in theory you could have a, a spinoff off of uh yeah, I think you should. Because it's too many actors to, in it for there to be more droids with a totally different, a totally different uh, theme. So uh, I'm very excited about how the uh, the 90 minute episode ended, but I just hate the fact that just like Sopranos years ago, some of these really high profile shows they end up taking a long time to to, to go from season to season. Anyway. Cap, what were, your, what were your thoughts? You know, we spoke about this a bit on Wednesday's show, but this is the show for for this kind of discourse. What were your thoughts about West the Westworld finale? Well, the whole the whole Westworld. I, I looked at Westworld. It was actually a boring melodrama backdrop sci-fi with good actors. The good actors, the great acting. That's what held my interest through the whole thing. I thought a lot of the things you could see coming, it was rather very predictable. And from my standpoint, the ending, the finale, you had two ways it could go. And it went one of the ways pretty much where I thought they would go. Because I've seen this type of thing before. When you watch these type of movies, they pretty much do the same type of thing when they try to misdirect you. Where they misdirect most people is during the in-between. You know, a lot of times, not so much at the end with this, once you've seen these movies over and over again, because the, the problem is, within the screenplay writing, you only can do but so much, then it totally throws off everything. So the ending with this pretty much made sense based on what you've seen, what was happening before. So you could somewhat predict, to a certain extent, it either is going to go this way, or it's going to go that way. If you've seen this type of thing before. Now, if you have not, and this is the first time you're into this type of thing, the Nolans and there's other writers out there like that, you could get totally lost and you'd be thrown, taken aback, and, oh, I, I, you know, that type of thing. You know, but once you've done it for a while, you have, you've had practice with it, you could see pretty much where they could go, where they had to go. Otherwise, it would be too far left, and it would destroy everything that they did in Episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and all of that. So it's interesting. It's interesting, and that's all I'll say about it. Very good acting, and extremely well shot. Extremely well shot. That's all. Back over to you, Alfred. Yeah, you know when you talk about how this film looks as a TV series, you do feel as if this could be something that that could be could be seen in a theater. I mean, I felt I almost feel like we get shortchanged by looking at some of this stuff on t- on on a TV screen. Um, I guess this is this is what, what makes these burgeoning home theater markets 
more more plausible because I would have I wouldn't have minded to see that 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 ninety minutes in a, in a movie theater. It was that good. It really was. Uh, maybe that's something they might explore. Hell, and humans are going to see the first the first two episodes in a movie theater, IMAX style. So I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm gaming for that. Hell, I'm going to start. I think uh, to the captain. You know, we have our our own personal haunting grounds for looking at these films, but uh, the inner sanctum we may have to check out. Uh, the Alamo, uh, what is that thing called? The Alamo Steakhouse, Draft House, Alamo Dra- Alamo Draft House, downtown Brooklyn, Cap. Just a consideration. Anyway, um, by, uh, Hugh Storm, what are your thoughts about? I know you 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 we've gone back back and forth with Westworld. Did you see the season finale? I'm only on episode. I want to say I'm just starting episode five. And it's a struggle, but let me tell you, it's kind of personal for me. I am going to stick with the show because there was one episode. Maybe one of you, one of you gentlemen will remember, or Claire will remember. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Who was talking about Jeffrey Wright just a few seconds ago? Whoever was talking about Jeffrey Wright should win a a Golden Globe or an Emmy. Sign me up because the character. He apparently, and this isn't spoiling anything. If you've seen any of the episodes. Um, he uh, has lost a son, and we—I don't—I uh, think he lost him to a disease or something. And my family, we—we we had a child, a foster child that we were going to adopt, but the state took him back. And it's been one of the most painful um, things I've ever had to deal with. And there's one scene where he is sitting with uh, Anthony Hopkins. I think it's Anthony Hopkins, and he's saying something like Anthony says something like. You know, um, why don't you let the pain go or something like that? I can't remember. But he says a line that I, I remember. This. He says, the pain is all I have left of him. And that, I can't curse on this show, that that punched me in my gut. And I'm like, man, whoever wrote that, they must have lost a child. Because that says it so, the way he said it. And I'm like, okay, that's my character right there. I've got to see what happens with him. And I'm I'm curious if maybe he's going to build an android child or something like that, or, but I, I'm invested now because I got to see what happens to that character. Yeah, so they got uh, something coming for you, boy. They got yeah. We 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 you. can't we can't reveal too much, but yeah, your roller coaster ride has just begun on that front. Let's put it that way. Wow, but I, be, I don't know if I'll be able to handle it, fellas. Handle it, fellas. I got to be honest with you. Cause that and was again, like, wow. uh, but you know what? And again, we are you, all. We're all glad that you're in because trust me, we all and we all mentioned this on 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 Twitter. It was it's a struggle. I mean, Debert, he's falling asleep. Me, I'm about to quit. But it's a struggle <laughs> to get through it because it is so slow. It's very methodical and deliberate, and it can be a struggle to really stick with it because, especially just in this day and age, let's face it. Regardless of whether you're, as Debert likes to say, a millennial, or if you're, you know, if you're not, the point is, is that we're in a time of our lives where our attention spans are minimal. They are shortened compared to some of the content that we would have been able to to watch, no problem, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But I will tell you, all of us, Listening to, you know, you describe your connection to this character, 
I'm I'm just going to say that we're all very excited to hear your reaction as the show unfolds. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, this, this, I'm going to say one thing. One thing here, one thing. If let's just say hypothetically it was shot that way, the way it was shot, and they had C-level actors, notice I didn't go B, I would not have been able to get past episode one. The Agreed. acting capability of these individuals what kept me going. Because every episode, I was like, this is boring, but the actors are good. <laughs> yes. That's what I was doing. Yes. That is why, that is the only reason why any of us stuck with it, is because yeah. we are so entranced by Jeffrey Wright, because we want to see more of Anthony Hopkins. We want to know what's going on with Tandy Newton. That is the only reason why we have stuck with it, because they are the ones that have us lured in, engaged, connected. Otherwise, the show in and of itself, while the cinematography is gorgeous and film quality, the show in and of itself, pacing-wise, is very slow. But that's the funny thing here. We've mentioned everybody except Ed Harris. Folks, there's a reason we haven't mentioned Ed Harris. You're only going to have to go through all of this. <laughs> I couldn't hold that Absolutely. one back. That that one, it's a pretty, we've, we've tiptoed around that. But for folks who haven't seen past episode six, pay attention to Ed Harris. I, this has been a public service announcement. Just keep your eyes on Ed Harris. <laughs> and I got to say, well, and I mentioned this to Siebert, I was impressed because ultimately, and you know I've said this before, when it comes to, when it comes to a period piece, nine times out of ten, when it comes to period pieces and fantasy, I'm not really engaged. I'm not automatically drawn in. Science fiction is usually where I'm at because because the, the running joke is is that it's only into the, the, the far ends, the far reaches of the galaxy or centuries into the future. Is it normal to see different skin, hair, eyes, and people of color? When it comes to period pieces, people might want to yell and scream at me that I, I, ref, I have no interest to see Mad Men or Downton Abbey. People might yell and scream that it's taken me this long to even have some curiosity about Game of Thrones. But to be fair, nine times out of ten, these genres look a certain way. And when I do not feel included in that world at all, let's just say I'm not dying to see it. But for a show that is somehow able to mix this very quintessential Western cowboys, you know, shoot 'em up classic, you know, motifs with a very sterile, technologically advanced, um, you know, backdrop and setting of where they all operate I'm glad to see I'm glad to see Jeffrey Wright and Tandy and Clifton Collins Jr. and Rodrigo Santoro and you know I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that I'm glad to see some variety some color because honestly 
hell, if like speaking of what Cap was saying, if this was like B or C level acting talent and it was devoid of any color, you know I would have tuned out. You know it would have been game yeah, over th- past the pilot. Yeah, I because, think that would have been honestly, it for me as well. Right, exactly. Because there was we got a call up. We got a call up from from your hunting grounds, Claire. Another another uh, left coast person. I think this is uh, Q Storm's uh, podcast cohort, I believe. Is this Mr. Pooh? I just happened to tune in. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Every time they want to talk about sci-fi, they want to bring up Westworld. Westworld this, Westworld that, Westworld this. It's bloviating. I'm sorry. This this show, and oh. this show, this show is just very boring and bad. It is. Oh. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Claire, and we 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 we've done this before. Okay, I've never yeah, asked this you. question. I will ask this of you right now. What is your favorite sci-fi show? <laughs> If any, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Flash count. I'm trying to give me name me some shows. I can't think of them off the top of my head. Uh, next generation, I, like, I like Next Generation. Okay, Next Generation, Flash. Okay, all right. So I know yeah. what my 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 basis level is for you, so I can have my comebacks ready. Wow. I feel like that's <laughs> I really do. I mean, I like Survivors. I mean, I, I have a All right, very, Survivors, very not bad, range not bad. of shows that I watch. So don't think that I'm easily entertained. As Claire was going on about as far as the new millennial generation, the short attention span viewer, and I say, well, wait a minute. Walking Dead gets very, very slow. Lord of the Rings gets very, very slow, and those were very well received by people. The people that aren't receiving uh, this show – I mean, it just could be that the show's not as great as some of its uh, uh, ardent fans make it out to be. And I went through all ten episodes. Another one, Stranger Things. That was a very slow show, but it was very good. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. And not to say that there's not anything that couldn't be improved upon. I mean, Westworld, trust me, there's a lot that Westworld could have done better, in my opinion. And I said it like 12 times. Like, like It was a struggle for all of us. It was a struggle for all of us to get through it. But I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that we did. And I was just talking about how, at the very least, you know, I'm glad to see that there were people of color. If not, then that, along with maybe not having as quality of an acting cast as they did, it, there really wouldn't be anything left to hold my interest. Well, Listen, when I saw the exchange, when I saw the when I saw the exchange between Fanny Newton and Jeffrey Wright, it was it was a meta moment because you have two actors of color in this space where they 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 are realizing that they are they are slaves in a modern context, even though they're black and listen they're black androids discussing freedom. And, and, and realizing that this world is not what they think it is. So I thought when it comes down to that kind of cerebral exchange, and again, you know, respectfully, uh, and I understand your opinion, but you, can't, you cannot disregard the acting prowess of many of the actors involved in this in situation. You got Anthony Hopkins, 
You have uh, James Marsden. You have Jeffrey Wright, Fanny Newton. I mean, you have you have way too many top like uh, Ed Harris. Way too many top flight actors for this to be to be like this complete slot. I mean, the the acting talent is going to somehow pierce through. It would be different if this was a sci-fi. Now, even sci-fi network TV shows are, are kind of sort of coming around. I mean, you, I, I have to give it up for um, for Van Helsing. Van, I mean, this stuff used to be a lot more poor Slocky. quality. Now the acting. Say it again. Slocky. A lot more slocky, but now they got a, a gravitas to them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Van Helsing, for all intents and purposes, is the and I said this before. It's it's the Walking Dead for vampires, but the but the the acting involved in it, it's not, you know, it it it, it says something. It, it the acting has to be of a certain way nowadays for people to really to really dig in, to really to really feast on a on a binging moment. So I, I don't know how but, you, you you're like putting Westworld in this in this in this like real 1950 uh, giant 50 50 foot woman kind of thing. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's that. I think, I think, I, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is is that one at, if you notice at when the credits roll, the one thing that I, I, I saw and it was a big red flag was. The bad robot logo, which means they're going to introduce a number of existential plot points and theories that will probably never get um, come to a satisfying conclusion, or at or in the worst case scenario, make absolutely no sense with swerves and and uh, reveals that you just scratch your head. I mean, for me, the Ed Harris character. I know some of you have finished it. The Ed Harris character reveal was just like, what? And I'm still left confused, wondering, what did I just watch? It's the same thing that I had when, uh, what was it, four or five years later, they came with Matrix Reloaded, and I got out of the theater, I had to go home, go to my favorite message board, and pretty much read through post after post, thread after thread to figure out what the hell did I just watch. And that's the main problem. Okay, well, I mean, I can't comment and too much because I haven't seen the finale. I haven't seen uh, the, the last episode. But I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It, there's definitely things that they could have ex- you know, executed better. You know, maybe. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% a Nolan fan. Either the brothers, Christopher or Jonathan, I'm not 100% down with every example or piece of their of their their work. I. I felt that Inception and Interstellar were highly overrated, and there was a lot of elements that didn't quite line up with all the, um, you know, with all of that they were trying to set up in terms of the, you know, the times and the dreams and the this and the anyway, anyway. So I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect, but as of right now, I haven't seen a lot of different science fiction i got a lot to catch up on um Debert's trying to get me caught up on dark matter humans all kinds of stuff Please. so perhaps there is better you know stories necessarily better production value or acting i mean it's all give and take i mean hbo has a huge budget but i mean the, the, i don't the, know i mean i co- go ahead the core is you folks need to listen to me that's the, that's the bottom line do as i say 
and you'll be fine. And if the Nolan brothers will listen to me more often also, just have a nude Sandy Newton do a walk-on on everything, and that will raise that will, <laughs> Oh, here we go. That's, uh, that's okay. <laughs> Like, hey, can I, I, I had a question. Does your favorite drink Sprite? Because you sure know how to obey yourself. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Does anyone else feel first like that? All, no. First of all, I'm the last man. Because you, you listen, Fred Williamson Jr. even not even shouted us out. Fred Williamson Jr., when I talk about masculine imagery and, and appreciating these women, he high-fived me on Twitter. Enough said. Uh, unless you like the young, the young Thug album cover. Maybe that's what you like. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he, wow. Wow. No, I like the, the Anaconda Nicki Minaj cover. Thank you very much. Here oh. we go. Oh. Hey, hey, yeah. <sighs> this rebellion part of the brain comes to the fore again. You know? Oh, I have a question. Uh, can we check? Real quick, does anyone else feel like that the theme song to the opening sounds like a, a knockoff version of Game of Thrones? Yes. Yes, it does. Of course it is. It's the same, it's the same composer. Is it really? Yep. Yes. Wow. It's the exact same composer. Wow, so Hans Zimmer, basically, <laughs> stealing his own material. But, but I will say this, okay? Uh, again, but... Everybody believes what they want to believe. This is the type of discourse we have here, where we could we we rag on one another, but we respect each other's opinions. Okay. The problem is this type of quality we're not getting everywhere. HBO seems to be like we're going to just continuously give you this quality, and we're going to keep on pushing the envelope. You may not like it, but we'll have you talking about it. This is what we want from glad, everything else. I'm glad you said that, Daryl, because that's what, the, at, you know, I'm joking. But, I mean, at the core of it is that we're at a place now where we're actually getting decent science fiction. And, you know, th- science fiction used to be relegated to just Friday nights. Uh, you know, to get, to get basically science fiction or some kind of sci-fi fantasy every day of the week, this is a totally different phenomenon. And the fact that you have these streaming services, you have uh, regular uh, – network television and you have cable I mean it's not there isn't a place where you could you can't find what we would normally see you know in, in the farthest recesses on a Friday evening so I think it's a different time it, I just like the quality the cinematic look of Westworld but I'm not, I listen all jokes aside and Claire can, can be my witness I felt I was asleep on a lot of this stuff something maybe stick around beyond Sandy Newton I was I thought it was I thought the acting was 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 uh, was on point. Jeffrey Jeffrey uh, Wright, man, I have to respect that guy. He was uh, was the Basquiat years ago when he was younger. I mean, that guy is you know he, he was that. Daryl and I saw him at Afropunk. I like that guy. I I had to support. You just have to sometimes you have to stick around for some of this stuff for it to get cooking. You know, you don't want things to be so much of a of a. Uh, of a, of a typical kind of shoot 'em up, bang bang, visual to your eyes, and then you know it's, it's a little too simple. I wouldn't want that either, to be honest with you. All right, let's move things up forward a little bit. Uh, the gang is all here. I'm going I'm to keep the lines open. We got about 28 minutes remaining. What about this Deadpool Wolverine team up thing? This is this is Ryan Reynolds pushing this, 
and it seems to be going viral on the internet. I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, listen, if, if it's not part of the MCU, I'm, I'm already kind of in a feel a certain kind of way. But Deadpool is Deadpool. I will. I've said it on air. Deadpool was the best Marvel Fox movie. The uh, Fox's version of an MCU movie. Other than that, let them do FF, let them do X-Men, and you see what you get. Deadpool actually was more of a Marvel movie than ever because it actually honored the character the way we know that character to be. And then they, then they were shocked. Oh, wow, we almost made a billion dollars. Well, yeah, because you gave us Deadpool. I mean, it's, it's that simple. What are your thoughts? Let's go to the, let's go to the Uncanny. What are your thoughts about um, this campaign that Ryan Reynolds is, is, is putting out there? That he wants to coax Wolverine beyond Logan. I mean, I'm sorry, Hugh Jackman beyond Logan to do some kind of Deadpool team up movie. Let me let me just be totally 100 with it. All right, I would feel better about this if the Tim Miller thing didn't happen. Right, the Tim Miller thing happens last month, and then I have this news. It doesn't exactly fill me with joy and confidence. Now, if I didn't have that bad tidings, I'd be like, yeah. You know, Deadpool, Wolverine, that's cool. We, we, we can do that. But ever since the Tim Miller, uh, Ryan Reynolds split, I've been like, all right. I know they got the John Wick dude in, all right? I know they, they do to, to direct it. But still, I felt good with Tim Miller helming this with Reynolds and, and doing that. I had more of a good feeling about it. Now, uh, Tell you the truth, that tainted my feelings about this. So, I, I, again, I said I have Wolverine fatigue as it is. So, you know, my tidings are. Uh, uh, hey, look, just make a quality Deadpool 2 movie. That's all I want. <laughs> and, and then we'll see. Because, you know, Hugh Jackman, the line was, was, was said best by James Bond. Or James Watt title. Never say never again. He, we all know Hugh Jackman's going to come back to the role sooner or later. You know, this isn't the end. But, hey, you can want what you want. I'm focusing on the here and now. Get your movie right. Back to you, Afternoon. All right. Um, you know, as you're talking, you know, Daryl, I'm thinking of uh, the Bat in the Sun, uh, Wonder Woman versus Wolverine thing which I thought was done quite well uh, for what it was as, a, as an on- online, you know, even some of the, the CGI was pretty impressive. Um, I, I don't know if we, if we really should be, I mean, I, I loved Hugh Jackman in the role, but he's 6'2". I mean, that character is supposed to be 5'3". There's a lot of things that I think if, if, if Marvel were to, were to take over that character, which, you know, seems unlikely, I guess, but you never know, um, we would get more of a... You know, sometimes we think that the buck stops with, the, with, with that actor, and then someone comes along. You know, when the Joker was done by, by Jack Nicholson, I thought that was the best that that character was ever going to be. And then, you know, we see, we see what happens in, in The Dark Knight. So I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about, about this team-up, but eh, I'm curious to see if it, if, if, if it would actually go down. And I, I would assume it would be it would be uh, Deadpool three. Would that be correct, Daryl? If they were if they were to do that, it wouldn't be this Deadpool that they're working on now. 
No, it would be three, because this one, of course, is supposedly cable. All right. Um, Q, what are your thoughts about Ryan Reynolds wanting to do this this team-up? Well, I'm not that invested in the Deadpool character, number one. Number two, Daryl hinted at it earlier. Uh, If he has Wolverine fatigue, I have Wolverine, you know, bulimia. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Logan because it actually looks something. You know, let me let me take that back. The Wolverine that that film was the first to me was the first Wolverine, uh, the, the true depiction of the Wolverine character because we saw a little bit, we saw more violence with uh, Wolverine. Is that the word I want? To, we, we saw more. Him slicing and dicing people. That's what I need to see. If you're not going to do Wolverine as an R-rated movie, just keep it. Just keep it. Um, so I'm excited to see Logan, but you know, Wolverine is like let, let's let's move on from him. Let, let's do something different. Let's, I'm 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 kind of tired of that character as well. Mr. Pooh, are you there? Uh, yes, sir. I'm still here. What What are your thoughts about uh, this? Deadpool Wolverine matchup if if it were to go down. Um, I wasn't that. I, I, my thoughts on Deadpool was I, I thought it was better than I had anticipated. I really wasn't a big fan of Deadpool. I think they did a good job. Um, um, I said reviving the character, but for the most part, I really wasn't into that film. Um, a Deadpool Wolverine crossover. Um, based on my knowledge of the character, I can't recall how they uh, work together in the comics, so I'm not really that excited for uh, a Marvel team-up. And the thing is, is that based on what we've been given on film, you get a pretty angry, um, um, badass Wolverine kicking ass, killing, uh, when he gets the opportunity, killing henchmen left and right, and then you get the snappy, meta, jokey, doesn't take things too serious Deadpool, and maybe that might work in some other films, but for me, I just don't see them teaming together uh, working that well on film or working in a in a picture. So I'm like, nah, I could pass on that. What I want is I want them to get give me Scott Summers and yes, I know Jean Grey is played to death based on her being the love of the life of of uh, Hugh Jackman's uh, Wolverine, but give me Scott and the original First Class done right before you give me Wolverine and Deadpool, which just has a really bad buddy cop vibe to it. Well, you know, when I'm just listening to what you were saying, and I'm reminded that, well, A, you know, Ryan Reynolds, whatever we may say, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman are extremely talented actors. So those no their personality types, their, their personality types probably would work. And I know Daryl knows that Deadpool and Wolverine have had uh, play before with each other in comics. They have similar power sets. So you could, you could see how those two would actually work together. Uh, they work together in comics, and they can certainly work together in film. And the, the, considering that this, this, is, this is a Fox movie, that these two are probably the most, um, most clearly connected to the to what we have read all the years than perhaps all the other iterations. We know what what, Jubilee, what was Jundah Jubilee, where all we saw was just her wearing a yellow coat, 
you know, we you know we see the Halle Berry character and, and how they're just. I mean, Fox just sucks to me. So I, I don't I don't have an investment with anything that they do. You know, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're hearing they're going to reboot with probably younger actors or, or, or keeping the younger act- actors they have already uh, with uh, another wave of X-Men films. But as long as, as long as Fox is connected to this, to the X-Men movies, I'm, I'm not going to be as invested as I would like to be. You know, when we, see, when we saw the Spider-Man trailer and how, whether it's an amalgam of, of Peter Parker uh, Ultimate and Miles Morales, it was still what we read. I mean, it's, it's still a Marvel property. It, it still feels like home. But to me, the Fox movies are somewhat alien to what I've read all these years from, from, the, the, from the X-Men universe. So they want to go into it again for, for a reboot. It's still not, giving you, still not giving us what we really know to be true Marvel imprints. So I could care less, but they do okay. They do okay with Deadpool and Wolverine. I'll, I'll give them that. But, but real quick, I, I'm, I'm basing it strictly on the film. I mean, yeah, you're right. Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman—they're definitely talented actors. Maybe they could pull it off, but just based on how they presented those two characters, I think is a clash of styles. And I don't—I don't have faith in Fox finding the right writers to really. Um, to, to really compliment Deadpool with Wolverine on the big screen based on what I've seen. That's why there are people who are clamoring for it, and I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, that just does not look, that look like a, a huge train wreck right there. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that, I think that uh, again, wait, listen, wait, it's all opinion, but those two characters through Fox are the closest to what we would want to see as a Marvel interpretation. So and you have a talent between Jackman and Reynolds. So to be honest with you, I, I could see it working. I'm just. But I can see I what, would I can see what Pooh is saying. I can see. I can totally see what Pooh is saying completely because of the way in which things have already been established. I mean, because of that debacle of a Wolverine movie. You know, way back when, when they tried to, when they they the, tried the to put one. Deadpool in there the first time. As this 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 horrific, disfigured Frankenstein mess. I mean, that was horrible. That was just horrible. And yes, we saw a hint. We saw a hint of the of the contrast, like between between you know Ryan Reynolds's uh, you know Wade Wilson character and uh, and and Logan. I mean, basically that scene in the elevator, the opening. The opening takedown scene in the elevator is basically the entire relationship when when Hugh Jackman looks at him and says, do you ever shut up? That's basically the entire relationship between Wolverine and Deadpool right there in a nutshell. But the problem is, is that A, you left such a horrible taste in our mouth with that movie, and B... Because you've set up Deadpool 1, which came out earlier this year to a lot of success, a surprise breakout for Fox, and now you're giving us Logan, which is Wolverine 3, ending that trilogy, which has a very dramatic, heavy, somber, serious Johnny Cash, 
you know, I, it's it's it feels like this would be an ultimate clash of styles and personalities, having having two distinct characters who have kind of, if you if you want to be real, who live in their own universes, and to try to put them together, having already set up and established what you have. That could be kind of weird. I, so I totally see what Pooh is saying. I totally see that. What's so disappointing we, is that Fox, from the get-go, has proven that they don't know what they're doing. That they are just making it up as they go along. And that's why when they say funny things like, oh, yeah, we're, um, we're going to still do a Fantastic Four sequel. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're doing comedy. You're doing comedy now. You're trying to make me laugh because you just lost your Fantastic Four of, you know, Human Torch to Black Panther. So this is a joke. It's falling apart at the seams. But you don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit it because you want to hold on to these rights. You don't want to give them back to Marvel. You will cling on to them for dear life, even if it means churning out garbage. We know how stubborn they are. We know how stubborn they are. So I don't... I don't know. I mean, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, they've got their star power. And if Hugh is down, you never know. You never know. But honestly, I don't see it working as of right now. And in terms of what uh, Q had said, I'm kind of done with Wolverine. Like, honestly, I need a break from Wolverine because he has been the crutch, the glue holding together the X-Men franchise for 17 years, okay? And while I love the guy, we need a break, okay? I need a break from Wolverine, and I need a, I need a break from Miss Jennifer Lawrence, okay? I need a break. What's so sad is that Fox is, like, begging her. They're begging her to stay on the franchise. Ugh. To our listeners, to our listeners, you're listening to the Grindhouse. I had a few callers that are kind of falling off. Folks, uh, just deal with us. You will get, you will get cued in. Again, it's 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Uh, we had a few callers that wanted to, to chime in. Uh, sometimes when we start getting into it, folks, you've got to bear with us, but uh, stay, stay true, and we will bring you in eventually. Anyway, um, let's, let's move things still. We've got about 13 minutes remaining. Um, I do want to talk about you know, something that, that we, didn't, we mentioned here and there. You know, we got a chance to check out this, the look of the vulture in the Spider-Man trailer. But there's a complaint that, you know, these things kind of are forecasted because of the toys and the, and, the, and the cartoons and the tchotchkes that they sell. They're so eager, the corporate, to, to, to sell you merchandising that the merchandising sometimes, oftentimes, allude to certain plot points for films that we haven't seen yet. What are your thoughts about that there's already, like, I believe there's already a, a uh, action figure for the, for the Wolverine, I'm sorry, Wolverine, for, for the Vulture character that we saw in the trailer. Isn't that a problem, Daryl, that, that we're seeing this stuff? But, you know, we kind of get a clue as to what's going to happen because of the toys. Hey, I, I go back to, to what McDuffie told us. It, it works for the movies as well as the, as well as, uh, the animation. Yo, some of these things are are just uh, dependent upon toy sales. 
right? They said, when they said, oh, we're going to put Vulture in, and I'm like, okay, I know why they're putting Vulture in. A, it's a cool concept as a toy because kids can, quote, unquote, fly him around, okay? B, it's using the Green Goblin's colors without actually using the Green Goblin. Shout out to Q there, you know? And C, you know, you need somebody that has an opposite power set than Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, and flight is definitely an, an, an a power set. So, you know, hey, like I said, that sometimes these characters are chosen for the toy sales, too. Back to you, Afrinerd. Let's go around the horn a little bit. What are your thoughts about, let's go to... Uh... Q Storm, what are your thoughts? I mean, you have you have young sons. You know, obviously, all of us like to see some of these. Um, the the I like the statues personally, but they, you know, they have the statues that you have the the cartoons. I mean, you start to see at some point that the the cartoons and the the merchandising pre you know comes out before the movies, and they already give you plot points and character descriptions. I mean, you you know you you see the vulture already before the movie comes out. Do you think that's a do you think that's a problem on some level or is it not a big deal? I think it's a huge problem. I think movie making today, and that's why I do give Marvel credit, they still put out for the most part good films. They have probably for me about a sixty to seventy percent approval rating on their films. But movie making today is not just about the art or the craft. It's about what how can we corporatize this? I mean, so I go into Best Buy, I see Spider-Man cars. I see a Darth Vader car. And you, go, you, you, you see, um, you, you, you leave some of these movies thinking, well, they didn't really explain that too well. Oh, well, that's going to come in the, in the Blu-ray uh, specials. They do this on purpose now. It used to be you go into a movie, you get what you need, you get the story, and you can piece it together. I mean, not that we're stupid and we have to be told everything, but... The pieces were there. If you missed it, that was on you. Nowadays, it's like uh, gamers and where they have to get the cheat clues. You have to go and buy the cheat clues or download cheat clues or buy the books or whatever. I want to. It should be all in the movie. And if I can't find it there, it's on me. But I think that this is emblematic of a bigger problem as to where filmmaking is going, so they can make more money. I think it's a huge problem. Cap. You talk about business quite a bit on the show. What are your thoughts about, well, the business? The business, I guess, dictates that these, these I'm using kind of a Yiddish word, tchotchkes, <laughs> that these tchotchkes have to be sold. But do they, do they necessarily have to give away a movie? What are your thoughts about that? It's all about the almighty dollar, man. Come on, man. <laughs> that's, why, that's why they do it. It's all about the dollar. Sometimes these movies, they get another run just because the merchandising was so good. And they use this type That's of true. talk sometimes, even though it's not hidden. They say, you know, that hidden money that we're about to get. It's not really hidden, but that's how they, they, they use that type of talk sometimes. You know, that quick $100 million, that quick $500 million underneath the table that mainstream public is not talking about. They're not really, it's not really hidden, but mainstream public is not necessarily talking about like what the, the movie sales what was done on the movie sales, which the mainstream public talks about. So sometimes you'll see these movies, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, not all the time, they'll get another run. There'll be another installment. 
because the merchandising was so good. He did well in the merchandising, you know. And everyone sit back and say, what the hell is going on, you know. And also sometimes, too, the movies do very well and the merchandising is not as good as they expected. And then also sometimes, too, they walk hand in hand, lockstep. But at the end of the day, it's all about that money. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know. Something else I thought was was pretty pretty interesting is that I heard with Man of Steel, the first you know reboot, well I should say the second reboot, that uh, two hundred million dollars was already recouped before that film was actually released because of sponsorship. So I guess there's something to it that there's a lot of hidden profiteering. Or hidden profiteering and hidden profit with these films that we're, that the public really isn't un, really is unaware of. When you hear that these films flop, maybe they do, maybe they don't. There's some money still being derived somewhere. I don't think people under, even knew about that Man of Steel. That you know, 200 million means that you're, essentially your your production costs have already been recouped through some kind of ancillary way. So that you're right, though. That's probably how these these movies are be are able to be financed uh, in perpetuity because of this sideline stuff. But I just wish that I don't necessarily. I still want to be able to be surprised about a film. I don't want to look look at a action figure and then figure out a plot point, which is exactly what's what's happening. Uh, let me move forward. Still, something else that we I want to touch on briefly. We've got about seven minutes remaining. That uh, Daryl, you know about this. There's an upcoming Batman comic book that's going to retcon his origin a little bit. About it, how it already dropped. Okay, Did it so already dro- I, I already read part of it, so. so. Well, well, hey, you're hey. right. Okay, I, ahead, I look at I look at it this way. All right, it, it, folks are getting mad about one thing. I'm getting mad about the other thing. Okay, the major thing people are getting mad at is a revelation. That teen Bruce thought about committing suicide, where they show that he actually has scars on his his, his wrists, that he he actually and this is Tom King, and folks, if if you haven't read his Omega Men, if you haven't read his Vision series, if you haven't read his the stuff he did with Checkmate, I could have told you this was coming down, all right. I, he loves to show the darkest sides of the heroes, of and but and through that showing how they rose above to be heroic. That's Tom King's mo. All right, they're mad. They got mad at that. I'm looking at Bat fans like you got mad at that. Me as a Superman, I'm mad about the Saturn Girl thing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Legion of Superheroes, that is a Superman thing. I'm tired of you guys stealing the Superman mythos and all of a sudden converting them into Bat mythos. I know Batman's the number one hero for y'all, all right? I know that. But you can't give me a decent Legion of Superheroes thing. And now you want to recon history again. And somehow Satin Girl is now in Arkham Asylum. And and the Emerald Empress is in Gotham. <laughs> Sorry, those are Superman things, all right? But again, again, let me reiterate that that's my own geek stance there, all right? 
I will say it like this. Trust Tom King. I have to hear from you Batman fans all the time about, oh, this writer is doing well. You got to trust where he's going. You got to trust where he's going. Well, I gave you Tom King's resume right now. All right? He was he was on Grayson. He was on Vision. He was on Omega Men. He was on Checkmate. Tom King knows how to write, folks. Just let the story play out. But again, you know, geek rage. Can't control it. Back to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, going back to what we just spoke about with the, the tchotchkes and the merchandising, uh, is there a way that the retconning can also kind of play itself out? I mean, listen, retconning is a very... To the listening audience, I don't want to throw around these terms, but retroactive continuity, meaning that uh, con- revisiting a character and, and uh, revisiting a character's origin or, re- or changing something about a character's mythology, you know the character to be one way, and then as time goes on, you may revisit the origin and tweak it a little bit. So that's exactly what has happened here. Uh, retroactive continuity or the portmanteau retconning. So with retconning, we've never known Batman to be suicidal. So I don't know. I mean, that does make me feel somewhat uncomfortable. But I'm he, going was, to, I'm going to go he wasn't back. always oh, the bad guy. He had to learn. Can I finish the sentence? Well, go ahead. No, Let me finish go. the sentence, man. Go ahead. Respectfully. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm just saying. I forgot, well, John. I forgot what the hell I was saying. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying, and, and this is why I have a problem with you Batman fans. You, you guys all act like, oh, Bruce Wayne's parents died. All of a sudden, in that moment, he became Batman. From that moment, when those pearls dropped, when the blood was in the street, Bruce Wayne was always, I'm Batman. No, he had to grow. And growing, if you lose your parents early, a lot of kids go through suicidal thoughts or dis- extreme depression because you all you know is your parents, all right? You lose them early, you go into a dark place, all right? It's natural. It is natural for him to do that. But the problem is, again, a lot of these Bat fans, your D-Bird included, <laughs> oh, Batman was always this way. When his parents died, da 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 oh, Batman. Bull. Go ahead, man. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for giving me back my own damn mic, Daryl. <laughs> thank you. You made, you made me curse after like, I, I, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever cursed on air, and I actually did it this time. So you, you, you did that. Thank okay. you. I am the super the villain creature. here. The creature is filled with rage. Holy <laughs> crap, man. I want to be able to ask a question so you can answer it. Anyway, okay. <laughs> the, the, our listenership knows that I'm a bad fan. I just have a certain kind of way about this man splitting his wrist. That's all. It seems a little, it seems a little carved in, a little much. Like the, the, the origin is, is pretty tragic enough. So I don't know what that is. To me, it's, it's kind of like tragedy porn, I think. John Hutton says, uh, Batman loves the sight of his own blood. Okay, I don't. he's going off here. Okay, wait, he says, retcons screw things up. It messes up past stories. Uh, 
It says, next story we'll see Joker is Bruce Wayne's dark half. See, he's on to something. You, you can retcon things into absurdity. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes you, you have perfection. See, some of these origins, let's face it, House of Ideas or even, even D.C., the origins are what they are, and they're the reason why they're able to have these multi-billion dollar movies. When you start to retcon things Under 10 seconds, it, seconds into, a, into absurdity, okay. <laughs> keep right, going, I, I'm keep done. going. We're just going to the podcast. Keep going. Okay. Uh, well, that's, that's essentially what I was saying, is that we're, we're going to give another five, another five minutes because it's the stuff we didn't cover. But um, I'm a little uncomfortable with this man wanting to commit suicide, and it's, it's a whole, like, thing now. You know, I, but, I don't know how that's going to stick. Okay. I think but, it's unnecessary. No, no, but you just said it. You're uncomfortable with the man. According to King's writing, and this is where people lose it, all right, he wasn't a man thinking about committing suicide. He was a kid. He, did, Batman wasn't formed yet. Still going through the Depression. I'm ta- he, again, if you've read King's writing, he does that human emotion stick. He's going to go through Bruce with all the phases. He is not a man. It's one thing to say Bruce Wayne, as a man, was suicidal. Then everybody, hey, 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 he's Batman. He isn't suicidal. But this is before Batman. This is as he's still forming his worldview. His two rocks in his world have been taken, uh, taken totally away from him. So all he knows is that pain right there. I ask a lot of kids that that have attempted suicide, ask them what they were feeling in that moment. And at that moment, all I felt was pain. All I felt was loss. All I felt was no one knows me, no one loves me. I've just had this taken away from me. All right? But, you see, they they didn't have then the thing to fight through it. So that's why King has to tell his story, and then if you don't like the story, okay, it, it, thing. But a lot of bad fans went on the attack with the story, saying, well, Bruce Wayne never did that. This, no, 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 but this isn't Bruce Wayne fully formed yet. People are acting like it's Batman attempting suicide. No, it's a young Bruce Wayne who hasn't gone through the discipline, hasn't gone through the training, hasn't gotten past the hurt. That's what I'm saying. All right, I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying. There's, there's some, plausi- there's some plausibility there. My only thing is, you can't, you can't seek vengeance when you're dead. And the whole premise of Bruce Wayne slash Batman is that he saw this tragedy, and he immediately says, "I want vengeance." If you take the sucker route out, you can't get vengeance. So that's that's that kind of defeats the purpose of of. Batman. I understand what he, that he was a kid, but he also said, "I stopped being a kid at that moment." Well, hey, so that there's it, more to it than that. We all know life I, is not absolute. You don't go as a kid, lose your parents, and then absolutely, I'm going on a mission of vengeance at eight years old. Eight years I old. I would. You would, really? Okay, no problem. I'm gonna go and, after you. Uh, I'm gonna go. After, I'm gonna go after you for interrupting my sentences. 
Hey, hey and then me, and then me as a 26-year-old Joker, hi Gotham. Me as a 26-year-old Joker, I see your punk ass as a preteen, and I go like, bang. That's it. Ruber's dead. Can I can I say something real quick? Go ahead. I I, I I don't read Batman. I I, I kind of fell off comic comic books a couple years ago, but honestly. This sounds like one of the most brilliant things they could have done to update that character. Oh, oh let me get my <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that is, to me, it sounds real. I, I think Dell hit on the head. Boom, I'm not Batman. Boom, my parents are dead. I'm Batman. And that's, that's, the, way, that's, that's the way the characters always come off, across to me. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the Bible where Jesus is born all of a sudden he's 30, he's 30 years old performing miracles. What happened in the middle there? I think that's brilliant. It might make me start reading the books again. Well, that, but like I said, Q, it's Tom King. If you read Tom, if you read any of Tom King's works, he likes to not only deconstruct heroes and the nature of heroism, but show that here's their dark side. This is what they had to get past to be the symbol of heroism they are now. He did it with Kyle Rayner and Omega Man. He did it with Vision. Again, I recommend those books. Okay, Checkmate, he showed you what Mr. Terrific had to go through facing Amanda Waller. And in Grayson, he showed you how Dick Grayson in the Spiral Corporation had to get over some of his bat training and walk that gray line to get the job accomplished. Really? So, I thought Mr. Terrific was married to a man. No, no, no. I mean, when he had Checkmate, it was uh, Mr. Terrific and Amanda Waller. And Amanda Waller would keep on doing underhanded stuff okay. at the same time opposite Mr. Terrific. And Mr. Terrific had to beat her using the rules, which was very hard because we know how Amanda Waller is. Using rules does well, not work against her. We're out of time. One more thing. That, right? Yeah, one yeah we're at, one more thing, one more thing, and, and what what Captain just spoke about is a perfect example of retconning into absurdity. You just spoke about this whole masculine straight lifestyle that that Mr. Terrific has, but he's retconned on the CW with a with a, uh, a husband. So there you go. Retconning. There you go. One last thing, Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. I'm going to reach out to this gentleman who's, who's, who has a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, Claire thankfully reminded me about this. Uh, I, I don't know what to think about it. I, mean, I, think, I, think, I don't know why I didn't think about it before. So um, I, I'm curious about – I mean, listen, we saw uh, Lincoln, Vampire Slayer. Uh, the gentleman's name is David Crownson. He's an actor, and also I guess he's a comic book head. And uh, he's got this, this series, Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. He's, he's trying to promote through – Kickstarter, what are your thoughts about these historical figures? I mean, listen, Harriet Tubman was a badass. So, it, you know, when you go, when you take these characters to this kind of fantasy world, I, I have to admit it, it it's, I, I don't know why we haven't thought about this stuff earlier. Heck, well, I would rather see this, I would rather see this versus a, a Van Helsing, shouting out to Claire. Uh, Van Helsing for the upteenth time, why not have a, 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 a post, post-bellum uh, version of, of of Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. 
that's that's that seems like sci-fi network all the way through. I'm just saying. Well, we we had the, you brought up the linking, Lincoln Vampire Hunter. All right, they had Pinocchio. Pinocchio's had several different uh, supernatural type uh, uh, graphic novels. Hell, in the CW, we just had Nat Turner versus zombies. Well, actually, it was Jax, but hey, 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 it it was them versus zombies in the Civil War. So what the hell, you know? It, it's sci-fi. It's not a history lesson, you know. You use it a historical figure, but to my knowledge, there was no demon outbreak back then. But who knows? There could yeah, they be were, hell. Yes, there were. Doctor Who does it on a regular basis. So I can't say it's, it's slave silly. Owners. They were called slave owners. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dark side of humanity, you know, demons, you know, yeah. But, I'm hey, as long as it's well written and the art's good, you know, hey, I could get with it. I could get with horror, uh, uh, with with historical pieces. The the Again, the problem with this is going to be people are going to see it and they're going to equate it to the Lincoln movie, all right, which honestly wasn't wasn't that awful. It was great as a B movie, but if you they tried to market it as an A movie, and no, 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 that won't work. And hell, I'm forgetting one. We just had Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. <laughs> so, hey, what the hell? Let's do this thing. All right, folks. Uh, as always, Claire, appreciate you coming through. As always, uh, Daryl, we get we mix it up. <laughs> But you're definitely uh, sorely needed on our show. Cap, uh, as always, next week we'll do our Wednesday thing. We have uh, Joseph Illich coming by next Saturday to talk about Lion Forge, which is a completely immersive, completely diverse, diversity-oriented comic book line, comic book company. So he's, he assures me that this comic book line is going to come with it. So I have to, you know, we know how, how Joe is practically a family member, so uh, I'm very curious as to what he's going to say about not only the books that he's doing, but the line in general, Lion Forge as a, I guess it's kind of an alternate to even, even Milestone. They, they may, be, they may show, where, show Milestone what they need to do. And Milestone's been very quiet, actually. So Hey, uh, all, all of this moves being made, DC's got to start making moves with Milestone. Enough said. On that note, ain't no chimneys in the projects. More Christmas groove. Sharon Jones, Saturday next week, folks. Joseph Village has been real. (laughs) 